Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 755 with Chef David Vargas. All right. So my father, um, you know, he's actually my stepfather. He would wake me up every single morning and say, it's time to get up. It's time to justify your existence. So it's something that is just embedded in me. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you still manually processing your accounts payable? No, 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 no. You need to be using Plate IQ. Plate IQ is the most intelligent and intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable. With Plate IQ, you can pay your vendors with a fraction of the time and manpower it took before. To learn more, head over to www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable. That's www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll get 25% off implementation. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com. Slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? Before we dive into what we got in store for you today, did you notice the new sponsors? I just cannot express how good it feels to have sponsors uh, lining up for the show again. It feels like the industry is starting to recover, uh, and, and it feels like people are getting more more confident and getting out there, spending money. And I don't know about you guys, but I think it feels great. And I just want to make sure you guys are paying attention to Plate IQ and Seven Shifts, our two new sponsors. And it's really important for me to communicate to you guys that uh, this show uh, – has gotten to where it is today and is where it is because of my sponsors. And it's so important that if you are interested in any of the tools and services you hear about on the show, whether through conversation or through sponsorship, through the ads that you use my links and that, uh, you know how much that supports this show. Uh, just mention Restaurant Unstoppable. Let them know that this show is getting the word out, and um, you know we can continue to line up sponsors and really take this thing to the next level. And thank you so much. If you are using my links, I cannot express how grateful I am for your support. So today we have a great guest lined up for you, Chef David. Vargas from Vita Cantina is really, I think what he's known for, but he's with, uh, I don't even know. It's like the greater Jay McSherry restaurant group. 
the, I don't even know if there is a title, but <laughs> what these guys are doing in the New Hampshire Seacoast region, um, is incredible. Not just the, the standard of, of service they're putting out, the quality of service they're putting out, but what they do for their employees in growing and creating opportunity for hospitality and food and beverage professionals throughout the New Hampshire seacoast. I'm a huge fan of this restaurant group. Uh, I've had many of their members, uh, partners on the show. And, uh, David is just another one of these great individuals. Uh, he, he opened Vita Cantina in 2014. Um, and there's some really great lessons that came out of this, this episode, um, which I'll, I'll wrap up in the closing thoughts, but, um, just know, uh, this is a good one. You're gonna love it. And I just can't wait to wrap up and share some of my closing thoughts. You'll hear me at the end of the show. So here it is. Enjoy the episode. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef David Vargas. My man, are you feeling unstoppable? So today? unstoppable. Dude, I am I'm so ready. pumped to have you here. I Thank really you. enjoyed looking into your story. I know there's going to be value in today's conversation. I appreciate no, it. No pressure. <laughs> but uh, a little background from Southern California. I know there's a food truck in your store. I know you grew up in a, a restaurant family, a restaurant tour family. Yep. I know you had some experience up with Mark and Clark in Southern Maine. Yep. In yeah. 2014, you opened Vita Cantina. Uh, since then, you are now the owner of Ornell's barbecue, uh, Lynn's little kitchen and Vita tortilla. I cannot wait to get your story started, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Awesome. It's justify your existence. That's, justify your existence. That's it. That's, that's what I live by. Right awesome, there. Awesome, dude. Justify yeah. your existence. Dive into that and why that resonates. With All you. right. So my father, um, you know, he's actually my stepfather, my real father, well, to get serious here for a second, left us when I was like one years Ooh. old. And so he is my father I grew up with. He was uh, deported 13 times before he was finally let into the United States and wow. grew up, you know, started as a cherry picker, strawberry picker, garbage man, eventually went to high school, college, and be, at one point then graduated from police academy. And actually, at one point became the most decorated officer in, the, in California. That's incredible. Um, so as an immigrant and him grow, and us growing up, he would wake me up every single morning and say, it's time to get up. It's time to justify your existence. Oh, man, I love that. So and it's something I, that is just embedded yeah, in Yeah, man. I think that's a really great lesson, too, because I feel like being from the North, Northeast, I, we don't have a lot of um, uh, influence from Mexican culture, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stereotypes, and we just think of immigrants as people that are you know here to like ruin the economy and all that. But totally. there's so, so many amazing people that are just looking for a break, and we can't be quick to judge, right? Right. And it's a success 14 story. Fourteen times you yeah, said. Fourteen the, times. Yeah, you know, thirteen times, and then on the fourteenth, he was finally let in. Uh, you know, and it's just, you know, fighting and, you know, like whenever I think about my life, I'm like, I never had it that bad. Yeah. So things and are okay. Also, this, this idea, like there's a lot, I feel like for every, for every, um, like one father who like chooses like to leave their kid, there's, there's a, or for every like three fathers that choose to leave their kid, there's always that one amazing man who's mm-hmm. just willing to, to bear the load. Yep. And we need more men like that. Yeah, too. definitely. Yeah. Incredible. You know, it was incredible. You know, yeah. I, n- I never knew the lessons that he was teaching me as a young kid um, until I grew up and started teaching my son that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure we're going to pull a lot of nuggets because I know that you, <laughs> totally. you grew up in the family restaurant. Or you had a lot of experience in restaurants at a young age. Yeah. I'm sure you learned a lot from your mom and your dad uh, yep. and how they ran their business. But where does it make sense to start sh- sharing your story? Um, I guess we could start in Southern California for sure. Um, my parents did open up a restaurant. It was called Casa Vargas. It was, you know, a small little Mexican shop, uh, Mexican restaurant, um, you know, 
your basic style, you know, tacos, burritos, quesadillas, all those things, you know. And as a young kid, I had no idea what was going on, you know. Um, I was a snot-nosed little kid, you know, just like most, uh, I guess, some kids, not most kids, you know. Um, You know, I was a a bad kid growing up. (laughs) I give it up. You know, I always say, thanks, Mom. You know, thanks for sticking, you know, with me this whole time, you know, like, uh, yeah, I was a shithead. What kind of shit did he get into? I'm curious. <laughs> All kinds of things. You know, <laughs> I tell you the truth. I actually never graduated uh, high school. You know, I was just like, Overrated. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I got that beautiful GED. Um, like most, I'm going to say like most of us in this industry, uh, seem to, you know, like that's why I almost maybe tended to go to this industry because most of us, most of the people in this are kind of like me in that sense, you know, but I was definitely a troubled kid, you know, lots of drugs, lots of alcohol. Um, and I had it in my system at a young age for sure. And so I just never really paid attention and I never really, uh, realized what was around me, you know, as far as, um, my heritage, uh, what my, the values my parents were trying to teach me, you know? Um, and I'm glad at a a certain age, I finally smarted up and started to get my shit together a little bit. That's awesome, man. Uh, So when did that happen? Like take us to that point where you started to smarten up and why (laughs) my mom will tell you it took a long time for sure. But you know, I, you know, I was, uh, working, uh, in the restaurant business at, uh, with my uh, parents restaurant and I, and I loved it. You know, I mean, you know, I always say Mexican culture is family and food Mm. and that's what it's based on. You know, like every weekend we would get together as a, as a family, you know, and it would be our immediate family. So what are we talking? 40, 50 people, you know? And uh, I tell that to a lot of people that are like 40, 50 people. That's a huge fiesta or something like that. And I was like, no, that's just a small gathering. You know, that's just us getting that's together. Yeah, exactly. That's just <laughs> us to get it, getting together. So that's what that restaurant was based upon. That's why we call it Casa, Casa Vargas. You know, it was our home basically. Mm. Um, so those values started going into there and, you know, it didn't really get to me until I really decided to take this career to something a little bit different, you know, and some people would say, well, it was awesome that you, you know, learned it at a young age. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up at four years old, uh, on a Sunday, I didn't eat pancakes and waffles. I ate menudo, you know, I ate, I ate tripe soup. Um, so those things were definitely instilled in me at a young age for sure. But it wasn't until, you know, one epiphany of what I say, it's a fried bologna sandwich with took me over you know i was sitting there in a kitchen with my best friend and we were stoned out of our mind and we made a fried bologna sandwich and i was like whoa this is so good and he was like dude this is fucking phenomenal you could probably take this on the road somewhere (laughs) you know i was like wow maybe i could you know maybe this is my destiny here a fried bologna sandwich still on the menu no (laughs) no no not on the menu at all but it's definitely something that i go back to you know i've definitely teached my boy how to make those things before you know and so so reflecting back at that time like what what was the the thing that really drew you in was it the excitement of doing something that like of, of making somebody else really happy like what was it exactly that was like drawing you to this industry you know what it was at, at that time it definitely was you know food and it was starting to become easy to me you know i was like wow this is something i could research something i actually open a book you know my yeah you know even now my kids make fun of me because you know they're readers their mom yeah. is a reader and they and they love to read but to me i'm like i if i open like a regular you know nonfiction book or something like that i'll fall asleep in 0.2 seconds you know but yeah. if i open a cookbook i can be in in that thing you know all day long mm. and so maybe that's what it was it was 
was like, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, this stuff is starting to click to me. And this is something that's really starting to inspire me a little bit more. And maybe it was, you know, at a young age because I, I would just, you know, see mom cooking in, in the kitchen all the time, you know, pops cooking in the kitchen all the time that I was like, whoa, this is some kind of connection that I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. So how old I, I, my mind works chronologically yeah, let's do I, it. Uh, and not to like, you know, uh, reveal your age or yeah, anything. No, no, like that, no, but no. How, how old were you at this time? When, when was this? Like, okay. So I'm probably about 21 okay. at this time, you know, and, and What's then, the year? uh, 2000, 2001, something okay. like that. So about yeah, 19 so, years ago. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. So, so, um, you age, like, I feel like you age really well. <laughs> you <laughs> look like a young guy. Um, <laughs> Thanks, so I like, appreciate when, it. when was, um, like when was like when did you start living intentionally? Like what happened to you in your life where you're like, all right, this is my path. I want to start learning. I want to start exploring more about Mexican cuisine because I know that's a big part of what it, you do is it is pride in your culture. Yeah, definitely. And you know, and in like most chefs um, from like my heritage, you know, yeah. we wanted to step it back. You know, I wanted to learn the classics to begin with. You know, so I think it was 2002, 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002, I decided to go to Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School in Minneapolis of all places, you know? Oh, okay. uh, I was, Why Minneapolis? Uh, you know, I from had Southern a, California. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I had a friend that was living there yeah. and that moved from Southern California out to there and I was like, yeah, let's go to Minneapolis. Let's check it out. And I n- had no idea anything about Minnesota, M- Minneapolis in general. Um, or Minneapolis in specific, but I was like, yeah, let's go try it out. It'd be a cool town to go check it out. And I love it. If you've never been to Minneapolis or Minnesota, it's awesome. I've got to go, man. It I have a few incredible. people on my list that are up in that area. I got to make a road trip real soon up there to get some interviews recorded. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I would, I always say, you know, if they had the ocean, I would be there a lot longer, but, um, it is a cool, yeah. cool town for Dude, sure. I, I want to pull back layers on this, uh, but yeah. before we get into, uh, that time in college, I'm really curious about your parents' business, uh, Casa Vargas. Uh, what, what looking at how they ran their business yep. and how they treated their people and how any, anything that you pull from that, like specifically around business that yeah, sticks definitely. To, you to this day, you know, what, what was cool about it is, um, and this is what I've definitely have stuck to, uh, right now is that business was based on family. Yeah. You know, uh, my uncle worked as the general manager. The people that we brought in into the kitchen were all family. We took care of them constantly. You know, um, what does what does that look like? What does taking care of people constantly look? Give me an example. It's not only you know pay and you know uh, work to life ratio, you know, kind of deal, but it also is like inviting them to your home afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. showing them that you are part of their family and you care about them just more than just being uh, a worker in your business altogether. Together, you know, yeah. it's those simple things, you know, like here, eat not only while you're here, but also take food home for yourself and also your family that mm-hmm. you maybe you can't afford, you know, you know, that much, you know, this week because rent was due, all your bills were Generosity. due and things. So, yeah, it's yeah. those little things right there. You know, I saw plenty of times my mom and my father reach into their pockets and pull money out and to be like, here's an extra $20 so you could take the bus home, you know, yeah. like those are the things that instilled, you know, one, uh, great thing that I used to remember about as uh, growing up is my father would go every Saturday, he would put me in the, in the Dodge Ram and we'd go to Home Depot and we would grab uh, an immigrant uh, worker, you know, hourly pay guy, cash, um, and we would bring him home and he would uh, not only buy him breakfast and then he would have him work in, in our yard 
did we need that help? No, but he wanted to help this guy, you know? And so he would work for eight hours and then we would take him out to lunch and then give him a little extra money for him and his family for dinner, you know? Yeah. But how many times did all this extra giving, all this little extra generosity come back around to serve your parents? And that's not why we do it. You're no. in the back of your mind knowing, oh, I know this is going to come back around some way, somehow, but it does, you know, it does. I think know? it does in maybe karma sense, you yeah. know, maybe in some other ways, you know, sometimes it turns around and bites you in the ass, especially in this business, yeah, you but know? I think we, we hang but, on to those times it bites us more yeah. because it stinks. You yeah, know? definitely. Um, and we don't forget the sting sometimes, yep. but we can't get, we can't, we can't let that consume us because it, it serves us more than it hurts us. Yep. I, I'm confident. We just don't know how it serves us. We never are aware of how it serves us. You know, and it was tough for my parents, you know, I, at the same time, you know, once again, I said I was a snot nosed kid, you know, I didn't know what I had and what I had to help them out as uh, they were trying to do this. You know, they both work full-time jobs as well. Yeah, both police officers. Both of them yeah. were police officers, so they had their hands full. Uh, you know, I grew up... I think with, there's some, a little irony in the fact that your your father came over 14 times <laughs> and then became a police officer, which is, I think is just amazing. Yeah, like, it's yeah. an incredible story, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, I didn't know how what I needed to do to help and, and secure that business, so we definitely lost it in the end, you know? Um, so... Maybe, you know, all this helping didn't help the business, but maybe it helped their karma and uh, whatever uh, whatever else in their life, you know, as well. I love it. Yeah. Um, thank you for getting into that. Yeah. Uh, so you decided to, to make food your career. Um, I know you interned in Mexico. Was that during college or is that... No, I, I didn't intern in Mexico. I was a exchange student. Exchange down, student yeah, I was an exchange student down. How old was I? I was like 14 at okay, the time. So this, is, this wasn't in Yeah, no, 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 not at all. So, um, yeah, 14 years old, I had the opportunity to go live with a family down. You weren't thinking food at this time. No, right? okay. no. I mean, I... You know, just besides what I always been instilled, family and food, you know, so this was a family friend. Um, They had a house in Mexico City and they asked me to come live with them for three and a half months. And it was awesome. You know, it was incredible. I got down there. They're friends. This will date me right here. uh, Their son owned a video game rental store. They used to have those things back then, you know, it wasn't just on your Xbox. Um, and so I worked there and they gave me a uh, moped oh, for cool. the whole summer. And I would just 14 years old, 14 years oh old, you know, it was incredible. Just mopeding around Mexico City. I think when food. I was 14 years old, I was allowed to walk around Disney World by myself. <laughs> I thought that was a big deal. <laughs> and it was awesome. You know, I would go to the uh, panaderia, you know, the Mexican sweetbread uh, market in the morning, grab, you know, some uh, a sweetbread and a, and a hot chocolate and then at night you know i would go get tacos and actually at 14 years old is when i first in mexico city is when i learned how to smoke a cigarette for real (laughs) you know because in mexico everybody smokes uh and so it was awesome it was a great time all together and such a i remember coming home and because uh, I held pesos for such a long period of time that I had grabbed a quarter for the first time, and I was like, "Wow, is that really a quarter? That seems so small, you know." But it was awesome for sure. That's cool. Okay, we can bring it to Minneapolis. Okay. Now. So, uh, what, any key mentors during this time that really influenced you, or any key experiences worth hovering over in this time? <laughs> so, Le Cordon Bleu was awesome. You know, it. Uh, you know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, would you do culinary school again? I said, uh-uh. yeah, yeah. no. You know, like wh- why? I mean, it taught me a lot for sure of some basics for sure but tell truth i'm still paying for it right now you know so student loans and all that all that thing is a real i'm not gonna say an education is a bad thing but i think that society in general has gotten way out of control like we it's it's a five-star resort now you know like it's the the accommodations are ridiculous at these schools and so expensive totally i think that i think that 
things are going to change because it's becoming unsustainable. You know, and also for a Le Cordon Bleu system, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, I have a 15-year-old girl that works in my um, in my kitchen right now. Her name's Betsy, and she um, uh, is a student at Portsmouth High School, and she's doing her culinary program, and she came, you know, she wanted to start washing dishes. I was like, hey, why don't you just start prepping for us? And she's phenomenal. Now she's, like, pulling out boxes of you know uh pork belly and cutting those things down and stuff like that so she's learning her base in in high school so she can if there's more programs like that if we can start it there then they can you know if they're really serious if st- students are really serious they can get out into this career and really figure or it just out like the, the kitchens in your community i think we have an obligation to share totally. this information with the people we employ you know and they're not going to have the skills right out of the gate obviously but that's our our obligation is to give people these skills right this if chefs have yeah. the patience behind it i mean everybody knows they were there at one point yeah. and you're not going to make a million dollars coming yeah. right out of culinary school actually so yeah any, so that was the tough part behind going to a local cordon blue school for sure any positive experience you know the positive was for sure i mean i made some connections some friends that i still have you yeah. know there was a couple chefs you know chef sharif was uh my pastry chef there and when i was there you know i was a naive kid also <laughs> uh, you know like thinking like oh i'm never gonna do pastries at all but he was very patient with me you know and uh taught me a lot for sure and it was really funny because once i left uh Le cordon bleu I went to an internship in Northern California and their pastry chef happened to get uh, quit two days before. And they're like, Hey, this is the only position we have available. So as an intern, you have to take over this whole thing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a place that I didn't think I was ever going to be in. I wish I was paying more attention during that class. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's funny, man. So, okay. Um, let's start like moving forward. So you graduate, uh, what's your path? Like, what year did you graduate? What were the 2005? Oh, okay. So, yeah. So I'm in 2004 now, something like that. And so it's like a year and a half program, something like that. Um, and I decide, you know, I don't want to be in Minneapolis anymore. I want to go back to California. I don't blame you. And warmer. I choose Humboldt County, um, Northern California, because I didn't want to go back to SoCal anymore. Um, NorCal, if anybody's ever been up there, is completely different from SoCal, and it's awesome. You know, just a little bit more laid back. So gorgeous. So gorgeous. I had the, the privilege of driving from Crescent City, which is like oh, yeah. the furthest most yep. town, totally. all the way down to the Southern California. Oh, that's a great last. drive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everybody has to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like Maine. You don't imagine how how uh, long of a drive, how big it is, you know, all together. So I'm up in Eureka and I took a uh, internship at a uh, restaurant um, called restaurant 301. Cool little restaurant. I researched it only had 10 tables and it used a one acre farm that they, they had attached to it and only local, you know, purveyors, you know, local farms and stuff like that. And that was my mindset. You know, at that time I had just got done um, obviously like most kids out of culinary school reading uh, Anthony Bourdain's book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, but I also read Jeremiah Tower's book, uh, California Dish. Mm. And I was blown away by California Dish. You know, I was just like, yes, this is yeah. who I am. This is what I want to be. And who is that? Uh, Jeremiah Tower. Oh, I, I know who it is, but who, who is that persona that he created? You know, it, it was just basically, I want to work with fresh local product, you yeah. know? And, I, and to me, I was like starting to think about it. I was like, whoa, that's what I grew up, you know, eating. You know, mm-hmm. we had a huge garden at our house um, and it was all, you you know, in Southern California, we have that ability to, you know, I grew up with, uh, gosh, I had an avocado tree, tangerine, pomegranate, you know, like all these trees out there. And I didn't realize like, like, you know, I was spoiled to this, you know, fresh food. And I was like, you know what, this is what I really want to do. And I want to learn about it. So I decided to go to this restaurant. 
Okay. Um, and it was awesome. It was super do me, cool. Do me a favor and zoom up to like 30,000 feet and uh, like you're in Eureka. Yep. Give me just like snapshots of how you got to New Hampshire. And I, I want to get that big picture. So I know you want to get the time. big picture yeah, first. Yeah. All right. So I'm in, I'm in uh, Eureka. Um, and what is really cool is my wife uh, is the gardener of the restaurant. Uh, oh. so, and she is from Concord, New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so to do it really quick here, you know, we met, um, worked there together for a little bit, and then we decided to leave everything and move to the Virgin Islands. Oh. So we moved nice. to the Virgin Islands, stay there for about five years. St. John, St. Thomas? St. Croix. St. Croix, okay. Yeah, the least visited out of all nice. of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then moved back to Sonoma, live in Sonoma for a year, realized we're dirt poor and we can't survive in California anymore, and then moved to New Hampshire. Any any moments along this this big picture you gave us that you think you grew the most as a professional? Because oh. I know you were working with Mark and Clark. You yep. don't get hired from... <laughs> restaurant tour. you don't get hired by restaurant tours without having some type of like totally. chops right? yeah you know and uh i think what i say to a lot of cooks is you know like you know one one year at a restaurant is almost like five years in the business mm-hmm. in any other professional business you know so if you can move around a little bit and learn these mm-hmm. different aspects and so when which i which becomes harder once you have those school loans yes exactly yeah, sorry to interrupt <laughs> no 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 so when i moved to uh saint croix you know like i learned this whole other level of food you know all these west indian t- style recipes that i could add into it so it was like i was growing up then and i had no idea as well you know and then when we moved to sonoma I got to work at Applewood um, for the chef, Chef Bruce Frisky. We actually got one Michelin star when I was there. And um, he was incredible. And his, his style of food was phenomenal, you know. Um, but, you know, if it was all these different chefs that I worked under. And really, if I had to bring it back to one moment, you know, when I worked at Restaurant 301 in Eureka, it was Chef Andrew Richardson. And he blew me away. Mm. And... Um, I got the ability to work with him for about only eight months, and then he decided to move up to uh, Whistler, uh, Vancouver, and uh, become a chef um, for this great restaurant up there at Roxy. Okay. Um, and uh, the the style that he brought to his kitchen, you know, the mentality, everything like that, is really what okay. I try to. I gotta pull back some layers. Yeah. What is that mentality? What is that style? That mentality and style is obviously the fresh, quick cooking you know from scratch everything like that and but it's also like you know when i worked walked in the first day johnny cash was on the radio it was sunday morning coming down he had you know he had a hangover from the night before and it's not about that but it was just his like you know what i'm here to teach you and it's going to be okay i'm you know that's it's not knowing that that is i think that's one thing that we forget is that we have i'm here to teach you yeah and that is that is an obligation like that we all business not just the restaurant industry but all businesses should be growing their people and I think that, again, I think we put all the pressure on schools. We expect to hire people totally. that, have, that, that they have all these these skills. And we forgot that we have an obligation to help grow people. Right. You know? And I remember being on the grill station, you know, on the line one night with him. And I, I totally, like, just failed, you know. <laughs> and I, I came up to him and I said, hey, please do not take me off the grill station. He's like, I would never do that. He's like, that was just one night, you know. Like, that, it's going to be okay. You're going you're gonna to bounce back. You're going to learn from your mistakes on that thing, nice. you know. And I was like, okay, that's a, you know, instead of like, you know, I had work in Minneapolis with some chefs that, you know, kicking trash cans across the room and stuff like that. Not, not to say I haven't done that myself also. Yeah. You know, you do we, get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, just 
just had to let them know, like, and it almost brought me back to my parents, you know, yeah. like, Hey, I care for you. I know I'm going to bring you up and make you what you're supposed to be. I love that, man. Uh, yeah. What about business? Did you learn anything about how to run a business? I mean, obviously about leadership and your commitment to your, your people is something you learned from Chef Richardson. Yep. It was Chef Richardson you're talking yep. about, right? And uh, this is that 301. What about how they, they ran their business? Any like lessons about just operations? Not at all. No? Okay. Not at all. You know, and I think at that time, it was probably better that I didn't, you okay. know, like I was just so focused on the food. I had no idea that, I, you know, like at that time, I didn't know I was going to be a chef or yeah. anything like that. I thought, you know, I was just going to be a line cook and, try, you know, tell you the truth. I didn't really learn business aspect behind it of what I know now until I joined this restaurant oh, group. Oh, okay. I can't yeah. wait to learn. We'll, do, we'll pull back the yeah. layers on that. Um, what about you said Chef Bruce had a, an influence on you as well? You know, Bruce was incredible. You know, his food style itself was very simple. And it was that California, you know, style cuisine. You know, it wasn't a lot of heavy things, you know. And, and I think a lot, at that time, there was like this big thing between West Coast and East Coast style cuisine, you know. Yeah. And they would always make fun of it. You know, West Coast, you just put a pear on the plate and serve it out to a customer or something like that. But, but the it was, pear is so good. But the pear is so good. You don't want to do anything yeah, to exactly. it, you know. So it was that style cuisine that really, you know, influenced me, you know, that it was, you know, Till this day, you know, people in the kitchen always say, you know, California style, California style. That's what we're doing on this, you know, and they and they know what that means. Leave leave it alone. Let it speak for itself, you know. Mm. So any any lessons or like key things working for Bruce that like imprinted on you, not necessarily around food. But around how he led his kitchen or his restaurant? Yeah, you know, he was a family man too. You know, he had a, a kid and a wife and everything like that. And so is, and I could see that in him. You know, at, at my age at that time, let's see, I'm back in Sonoma. It is 2009 at this time, you know, and we have one child and one on the way at this point. Almost, well, maybe my daughter was just about to be born in like any day now. Um, and, at that point still, I was like, I'm hungry for this career. You know, I'm just going to give it all my, and I'm watching this man, you know, gain his Michelin star, but at the same time say like, Hey, time out. I need to take a break. You know, I need to make sure I'm hanging out with my family and my child before I miss watching them grow up. Mm. So that was a huge like wake up call for me as well. Okay. Um, I'm at what point, because at this, you mentioned not too long ago that you at this point you're, you're still thinking to yourself, "I'm just a line cook. I don't have any expectation of ever becoming a chef." Right. When did that change? So, you know, I, I think people I, at the same time I was just going to keep going at it. You know, um, this, so this is ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. Years ago, <laughs> like, I'm never going to be a chef. You Fast know, four ten years later, you're yeah. the owner of three restaurants. Right, and right. Recognizes it, the best Mexican <laughs> cuisine chef in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, and I think what it was is, you know, like I was just given the opportunity. Mm. You know, so you know, if we fast forwarded to coming to, you know, after leaving Sonoma and then coming out to here, you know, I took a line cook position at um, MC Perkins Cove, and um, and really, you know, at, at the time when I walked into it, it was January, you okay. know, in a gunk wit, What was know? the year? Uh, 2010. Okay. 
You know, it was January in a gunkwit. What's there? Nothing. You know, it's desolate at it's this time. Beautiful area. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous yeah. for sure. But you know, it just happened to be past Christmas, so everybody's gone. You yeah. know, at the time, and I walk in, and uh, Chef Lee Frank was the chef at the time there, and uh, he's like, "Oh, you're from Cal- Southern California. I'm from Southern nice. California. You're hired." Yeah. Right? that's how easy Karate. it was. Yeah. You know, um, and so I'm there for about a year, but I realized, you know, like I'm making twelve dollars an hour. I got two kids and a yeah. wife, and my wife's at home raising these two kids for mm-hmm. us because we can't afford anything you know um i need to make a change and so really it was like out of survival mm-hmm. that i had to take my next step you know and you um, said they, they, it was out of opportunity too i guess the opportunity was there to it presented itself you know and so i was just like you know how many how long am i going to be doing this you know i love learning and doing this but at some point you know, we'll go back to it. I have to justify my existence. And I knew really never really started to learn that until I started taking these positions because I was not only going to justify my existence in my workplace, but I'm going to do it for my family as well. I love that, man. I love that. But I also love this idea that, um, we have so many incredible people that are already employed. I've and we just if we if we look at what we have, right. you know what I'm saying. Instead of trying to get new or higher talent, totally. Somebody just just see what you have. Like pull back layers on the people that are working for you. You might have an all star that's right there under your nose that's never been discovered. Yeah, right? you have no idea. You know, like I'll go back to Betsy, my 15 year old. You know, she she came to us. She didn't know one thing. You know, now she's breaking down proteins at 16 years That's old, awesome. you know, like, yeah. like, and just that mentality, you know, I, we did a dinner here, uh, three weeks ago and we had some great people up here, Tony Messina, Elma Lopez, you know, uh, and Daniel from, uh, La Brasa. And they and Betsy was here, and they they all said, you know, I would give away most of my you know season line cooks to have somebody like this, you know, like it's just her mentality behind, you know, and what that, is that drive. Mentality? It's just like I'm I'm here, I'm happy, and I want to work, yes. you know. And it, it's so simple, you know. Yeah. And you can't, you know, as you get older and older, you start to add these layers, like, oh, I'm 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 angry, I'm upset, you know, this is bothering me today. But it's so simple for her. She's like. I love coming to work. I love doing this, you know, so that's why it's yeah. so easy. So b- back up in the gunkway, the, mm-hmm. the man inside of you kicks in and says, I have to be responsible for my family. Right. I have to start thinking about how I'm going to be a provider. Um, how did you start living differently and intentionally to climb that ladder? So, you know, the, I mean, it, I mean, you could say it's as easy as going on Craigslist and, and, you know, finding that sous chef position, you know, I mean, that's what it, it definitely was. But at that time, then I was like, you know, what is, what are my next steps, you know? And, uh, <laughs> this is going to lead down a couple of different paths for sure. And so, my, I mean, my next step is like, all right, I'm not ready for a chef position is what I thought, because I don't know anything about new England. And one thing I did knew, know about California is their cuisine, you know, what was available in the seasons and things like that. You know, when I moved here, I had no idea about brown bread, you know, uh, uh, boiled dinners, things, things like that, you know? So I felt like, if I was going to cook anything in this area, I still needed to be educated about this area itself. So I took a job as a sous chef at Bonta down in Hampton. Okay. It was um, a great opportunity. Uh, the chef there, Chef Kevin Riley at the time, um, was an incredible chef. He's gone and he's actually uh, working as the chef for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh, now. Yeah. yeah, which he loves. You know, I talk to him Hanging all the time. Tom Brady. Yeah, Gronk totally. has the gap side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, he absolutely loves it. You know, it's kind of more his style. Yeah. Uh, of uh, setting and things like that. Um, 
but it was an awesome opportunity to work with him and under him there. And, you know, we were doing Italian food there and, and just kind of, you know, and that's where I kind of started to learn more about the business a little bit. So what did he teach you about the business? You know, you know, the basics, first of all, food costs, you know, like I knew about food costs. I didn't know how it operated all the way just yet. You know, like I knew an equation behind it from, you know, school, you know, but we never really got into it. It was, I, I think at school, it was like a four week course and to really understand food costs to the fullest he it it's takes one, yeah it's, <laughs> one, it's one thing to know that this is a thing that exists it's another thing to like like exercise that formula every day totally and you know and see it you know yeah. like okay here's what's coming in here's what you sold yeah. you know here's how you can you know calculate your monthly food cost before it's even there you know these things are what he taught me all together you know mm-hmm. like pricing all the way, you know, things like that, you know, really diving, you know, you could be a chef that just puts your invoices right into the box, or you could be a chef that actually looks at your daily invoices and see how this, you know, money goes up and down very quickly, you know, yeah. and those things are super important, you know, because somebody could sneak something in yeah. very easily on you. What's the, what's the saying? What gets measured gets managed or something what like gets that? Measured, yeah. 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 We yeah. always say, watch the pennies, the dollars will watch themselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, any other little details from that experience? that you can share with us? Uh, You know, I think at that point, you know, like I said before, it's like one year in a place is almost like five years in a regular office, you know? Um, And so at that point, I really was starting to become hungry and I was starting to be like, I need to be doing something for myself now. Okay. You know? So were you... And that's where I... And I think he energized that. Who The the chef... um, Chef Kevin. Okay. Okay. How did he energize that? You know, he he was super... um, uh, inspiring with his food, you know, his, you know, he was always talking about what he was reading, what was going on. You know, he was very knowledgeable in the restaurant business. And I think that's super huge as a chef grow, going, uh, growing up and in this industry, you have to be aware of what's going on in this industry, yeah. you know, like what's, you know, what are other chefs in your community doing? What are other chefs in, in the country doing so, uh, as well? What are we question. talking like, about? What was he reading? What kind of stuff did he say plugged into to stay on top of the industry? You know, it was the basics at that point, you know, like I feel from what I was into then to how I look at this career now is completely different for sure. You know, and what he was, you know, what we were looking at then is, you know, what are the food, um, what I'm trying to say, uh, what, what's, what's cool in the food scene right now? You know, is it, you know, I think back then it was like milk cereal or milk, uh, cereal milk. You know what? Yeah. Oh, totally. I think Instagram started when I was there, you know, uh, uh, cereal milks and things like that. You know, like, you know, like, uh, so like mostly food stuff. Yeah. What's happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was like those, uh, I don't want to say it was basics, but those are, are super like uh, important, you know, like, uh, like now, you know, you look at people and they're cooking with more wood fire cooking and you know and actually you know i feel like restaurants are starting to use their restaurants as platforms to speak in their community as well exactly and listening to you talk what's going through my mind is this idea that like culture isn't what you write down on a piece of paper culture is what's happening every day totally culture is that excitement that energy you bring to work right that, that lifts up everybody around you if you're not talking about this stuff if you're not getting excited about this stuff you can't expect your team to No, nobody else will you know and it's probably one of the hardest things as a chef you know Mm -hmm. you have to be that person every single day you know and how do you how do you think if i'm cutting you short no 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 please but how how do you show up every day 
with that. With <laughs> so that, that I say this all the time. It's called mental mise en place. Mm-hmm. You have to have your mental mise en place, you know. And for me, you know, one of the things that you was drowning me out in uh, for a long time was alcohol. And I gave, uh, now I'm almost two years sober from alcohol. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I think that was like my next element to be able to get my mindset and ready for every single day because you have to, you know. I, you know, I could say I have a couple of days off a week, but still on those days, you know, I filter phone calls of motivation, you know, like, yeah. hey, chef, this is going on. What do we do? You know, hey, chef, this is going on. What do we do? And that's OK. I signed up for that for sure. But I appreciate it because I have an incredible staff at every single location. And if I, what I have to do is motivate and continue to inspire that I, I feel super blessed. Yeah, man. Uh, I want to dive deeper into this idea of mental mise en place. Yeah. I love that. Is it just like a saying or is there like a an, like an exercise, like a daily routine or like like how do you keep it, it is an exercise you, your, you know mind organized you know it's you know for me it's like what are the things that i love you know right now you know it's obviously my my wife which is gives me that inspiration every day she's a firecracker she's an incredible person and so waking up next to her is just like a unbelievable you know i'm like damn i'm so lucky right now yeah. you know and then Congrats. walking out thanks and then walking out and seeing my kiddos you know and, and having that little bit of time before they start school you know right now they're remote learning so they're at home um but then also making sure i have myself you know like you know going to the gym um and doing the things that i really love and right now it's like being on my boat i guess yeah. is my big one right now you know but making sure i have that time outside so that way i can inspire myself inside you know i don't have all the time in the world for sure especially bouncing between four places but it's making sure you have that time so that way you know when you come in here you have that inspiring moment how do you make sure you have that time what do you do to guarantee you have that time Uh, sometimes it's hard for sure you know my wife says you you know really i i feel like i don't need more than five hours of sleep a night you know and sometimes that's not everybody no that's not everybody (laughs) for sure you know so that's like one of the lucky things i guess i have but definitely not me i don't get my eight hours (laughs) every now and then you know she's like you just shut it down and you 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 know by nine o'clock you're asleep for sure but yeah um, so, you know, you just, yeah, I guess you have to carve out that thing and, you know, those times right there. And maybe it's, maybe it's making time with, uh, other, uh, coworkers as well, you know, like, yeah. Hey, come with me, you know, let's go to the farm and walk around, yeah. you know, those things like Thank that. Thank you for making time for me, man. Yeah, really yeah totally. Uh, so, okay. Let, let's, I think we're going to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. You've been hearing it a lot on the show lately. Plate IQ. Find out why Play IQ is the most intelligent and quite frankly, the most intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable. With the new spend management feature, you can issue virtual or physical cards directly, or you can even connect your existing corporate cards to get visibility into historical and real-time card activity. And when you're using that virtual card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And I haven't even mentioned all the insights you can get with Plate IQ Insights. You can compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, location, and the list goes on. You can get alerted if a price is outside of your contracted terms. You can get access to a hot list of real-time price changes, and you can even categorize your spend analysis. And I know we all have to pay bills, and it sucks to pay bills, but it sucks a whole lot less with Plate IQ's bill pay feature. You can see what is due when. You can schedule payments 
payments by check, ACH, or card. And man, how user-friendly is that calendar for scheduled pending and paid invoices. Plus, you can hold on to your flow. No money leaves your account until it is received by vendor. Here is your call to action. Head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. That's play like the thing you eat off of. IQ like your intelligence.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll get 25% off implementation. All right, we're back. And um, I know we're just about getting to the point where you break off to to open your own business, your first business. And that's usually where I like to take the break to thank the sponsors. So what was going on inside your head? Like, what was your plan? Like what, what was like, what was the dialogue, the internal dialogue? So my wife and I had always wanted to open up a food truck for a long time. And at this time we still couldn't afford much. Um, and so I was like, you know, I had the opportunity to open it up with a neighbor. And, um, so I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to do this. I convinced my wife the whole time she's like, no, 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 don't do this. You know, like it's, it's a bad, it's a bad business move. And I was like, no, it's going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. You and know, this specifically is the food truck. This is the food truck. Move. And I'm still working at Bonta. So she's like, so you want to leave a secure paycheck? We're just getting, you know, at this time, you know, we just bought our first house. Nice. Um, and she's like, you know, we're just, we're doing Fine, okay. Yeah, we, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're doing all right, you know, and now you want to leave this, this steady paycheck that's, uh, and go open up a food truck and, you know, dump everything and tell you, we didn't have a dollar in our bank, you know, at yeah. this time. So I'm going to do this all on credit, you know, and this, yeah. What's the year? I'm curious. Uh, this 2012? is 2012. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so after plenty of convincing, I said, I'm doing it, you know, here we go. What and was the food truck? It was called Vida Verde, Green okay. Living. Um, and it was exactly what I'm doing here, basically, at, at Vida Cantina. And it's basically, you know, just a really nice, uh, high-end uh, Mexican food, you know, tacos, chilaquiles, you know, tostadas. Uh, I think we had some burritos on there too. But, you know, we just wanted to take Mexican food and elevate it here on in uh, New England, basically. Yeah. Where was the truck? Uh, and we parked it in the um, in Kittery at the uh, Tributary parking lot, okay. you know. And so this is when nothing was there. Tributary wasn't there. Blue Mermaid wasn't there. There was a post office there. So nothing. So number one rule, anybody listening out there, you definitely want to be where people are, yeah. you know, <laughs> as a food truck person. You know, now Kittery has like a food truck pot. I was like, where were you when I was there? You know? <laughs> so now hindsight being 2020, yeah. uh, just this argument you're having with your wife, not an argument, but this, this oh, it was an argument, okay. a couple <laughs> arguments for sure. Who was right? She was, <laughs> oh, she was completely right. She's always right. I should just say that, you know, I should have just listened. So to what were some of the hard lessons? You uh, okay. So number one, a $30,000 in debt and credit debt, you know? So like that was the biggest one, you know, like, and you had a partner with this. We had a partner, you know, He's, uh, you know, we definitely broke up and we were kind of, you know, uh, he was my neighbor too oh. and uh, still is my neighbor. And maybe we had hard feelings towards each other to begin with, but now we're better with each other yeah. for sure. It was hard for sure. You know, like we put everything into this. I mean, he put everything into this as well. Uh, What's his backstory? His backstory is a restaurant, you okay. know, as well. You're more, more front of the house um, aspect, but he's, he's a great cook too. Gotcha. Um, and we just tried to put this together in a time that, you know, we both shouldn't have been in it at all. You know, maybe it was fun while it lasted. We built this thing. It was a food trailer. It wasn't even a food truck, yeah. you know, and we found this thing for like $4,000 on Craigslist. I think out by Keene <laughs> brought it back and we stayed. So at night I would work all day long and then be up from 
10 o'clock to like four o'clock in the morning, Jeez. like just redoing this whole thing, the stainless steel, we brought in all the, you know, and he's amazing at construction. So he really led the way on the, all this stuff. Um, but it was hard. It was so hard. I think I put on like 25 pounds oh, while I was there. I mean, you think about it, food trucks look cool, you know, it's, uh, definitely they, they look cool on TV and stuff like that, but it's tough. You know, you're like, you're, you're struggling to make like $3 a taco, you know, yeah. like, yeah, maybe you don't have a lot of overhead, but you know, you have to be open all day and then you're weather dependent, you know, it yeah. rains, nobody's coming out to you and you season know? restricted. Totally. Yeah. You know, it was, it was super tough and we learned a lot about it for sure. You know, like how they operate, you know, functionality behind it, what works, what doesn't work. So what the, were the, some things that you learned, like the, the big, what works, what don't work, okay. if you had to pass that information along. So it's definitely, there's not a lot of income, you know, yeah. like when we were writing this business plan, we thought, oh yeah, we'll make this much a day. No, yeah. no you know, like there's not a lot of income coming in. Also just the functionality behind it. I got a great story here. Okay. So we're in the, in the parking lot we're doing our thing we're cooking he ran to go get something because i think we're running out of cilantro or something like that he comes back and he's uh he's like shut off everything right now and i was like why what's wrong i was like i got like three people in line he's like shut off everything right now so shut off everything he's like after these three customers you know we're done for the day. I was like, okay. And I, was, I just trusted him on this. Feed these three customers. All of a sudden, there was a fire oh, man. on the backside of our food truck because we put the grill too close to the one side. And and we had no idea. And, and we just watching our- So the grill caught the truck on fire. grill caught the truck on fire because we didn't put a barrier on oh, there. And this is something like- you know, How you long never, were you guys going in business before this happened? This is maybe three, maybe three months, something okay. like that. You know, so- um, it caught it on fire. All of a sudden, you know, he runs home, grabs a piece of plywood. I'm there throwing buckets of water on it, trying to keep it cool, you know. And he grabs a ply- piece of plywood and he just, you know, makitas this thing right to the <laughs> right to the side. And we hook it up to the truck and drive it home. Oh man! At this point, you know, all our electrical shots, everything's shot. You know, it's like probably four o'clock in the afternoon. And we're like, this is our hopes and dreams. They just burnt, you know. Yeah. Wow. So what do we do? We just go to Home Depot. We stay up all night long and rebuild the whole oh thing gosh. and we're ready to go the next morning that's incredible yeah man. how was, much did that cost i'm curious it was <laughs> it was probably a good you know seven thousand okay. or something like that i don't know is i don't know even <laughs> I, i'm gonna save seven thousand altogether and and you know lost uh um, yeah you know I, revenue and everything and time effort and I, everything I, I feel like the food truck trap isn't as common as it used to be i think that the the word's gotten out that it isn't the easiest <laughs> like people are like oh it's so much more affordable the lower the overheads nothing go anywhere totally but there's a lot of logistics involved that people yeah. just don't pay attention to, like commissary. Especially now that they're cracking down, you need to have a commissary yep. kitchen. You know, it's far more regulated than it used to be, and there's a lot more competition too. Maybe not in New Hampshire, right? In like in, Austin, Texas, everybody has a food truck. Yeah, you know? and then you think about it, you're like at the end, you know, you, you're you're washing dishes in this like little baby sink, hand wash, hand sink is what we would call it yeah. in the restaurant, you know, and um, and so like it, it, you look at these pile of dishes, they're piling up, yeah. and how am I gonna fit this pan in this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're trying not to have a lot of overhead. So it's not like you have a, you're hiring a dishwasher on top of it. You're yeah. the, you're everything, you yeah. know? So uh, what I always say, I was just talking to somebody the other day. They were like, you know, I want to do a food truck. You're like, cool. You're open five days a week. 
the sixth day you're you're shopping, the seventh day you're prepping. So you're actually you're busy seven days a week. Yeah, you man. Know? It's it's a it can be a trap. And I yeah. think a lot of people think it's like the easier way in. I mean, it's definitely a way into the industry totally. if you're restricted with capital. I'm not saying it's not a way to get in to like create. You obviously created a name for yourself because I'm assuming that having the food truck might have led to other opportunities. It definitely helped for sure. You know, I think it let everybody know like, oh, okay, this is what I'm capable of. There's yeah. the, there's a guy in town that does Mexican food and it's pretty good. You yeah. know, I'm not going to say it's awesome. I'm going to say it's pretty good. You know, I, I I feel like I do all right for so myself. So, what was the ultimate like? end of the food truck why why did that so at that point i mean i just couldn't afford anything Mm. you know i you know i was just like hey buy me out um because i can't i'm literally broke yeah i'm literally broke at this point um so he bought me out and at this point i'm thinking to myself okay what how old am i how long did you guys have this operation um he we were a year and a half into it you know Okay. And and that's when I asked him to buy me out. So you're 31 uh, years old now. Uh, no, I'm probably about 33 okay. now, something like that. And at this point, I said, I looked at my wife, and like most of us, maybe at some point in this re- restaurant business, I say, fuck it, you said, I'm you said, done. You're right. You're yeah, right. <laughs> you're right. And I said, I'm done. I'm over this business. You know, well, All the business or uh, just the food I'm, truck? No, just the restaurant business oh, in really? general. I'm saying, I'm, you know, I was like, you know, we have two kids. We have a house. I need something more secure, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, calm down, calm down. She's like, we have this money now that he bought us out. She's like, take, you know, six months. She's like, build a f- chicken coop because you've always wanted to build a chicken coop. And she's like, why don't you just become a mercenary chef and see if you fall in love with it again? And it was probably the smartest advice I've ever gotten in this business right mm. there. You know, she's like I said, she's amazing. She She's super smart altogether. She's going to be my next guest. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> she's been doing this long enough. She knows it, you know. Um, and so. Uh, I do, you know, I, uh, I build a chicken coop and if anybody knows, I'm one of the worst builders in the whole entire world. She bought me a Makita <laughs> and I, pr- I probably put like 2000 more screws than it needs to be in this chicken coop. And then I become a mercenary chef. I work at when pigs fly, I work with, uh, Justin Walker up at earth when he was mm-hmm. up there. Um, I worked everywhere, you know, I think I worked with Evan Hennessy doing a catering gig, you know, and just, you know, just putting it everywhere. And I was like, man, I, you know what, maybe I do, you know, she's like, you know, look at your resume. Like it's all cooking, you know? So all of a sudden one day, uh, Jay McSherry calls me and he's like, Hey, my name is Jay McSherry. I'm a restaurateur and I have this restaurant called Vita Cantina and we need a chef. He's like seeing if you'd like an interview. And I was like, before you started telling that story, I want to highlight the the benefits of being because I mean you're being a mer, uh, uh, what's the word a mer, mercenary mercenary chef. Thank yeah. you. Um, but you're also during this time you you just rattled off some really great restaurants, tours, totally. and places. So you're networking. You're yeah. putting yourself out there. You're meeting people. Totally. And you're figuring out what what like what's what's happening. Like yeah. What, what's going on? And you literally just putting yourself out there. I think it's it's probably the next best thing you can do besides staging. Right? right. Yeah. Totally. You can't work for free because because you got the family to take care of. Right. But you can be a hired knife. Yeah. Right? Hey, you know, if anybody knows in this business, you know, somebody calls out every single day. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm your guy, you know, yeah. you don't have to pay me. I think it's the sharpest my knives you're, have you're ever been. You were doing gig economy before it was <laughs> as cool as it is today. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so he, he gives me a call and he's like, you know, uh, we're looking for a chef. Um, 
and seeing if you might be interested. Did he say how he discovered it? Um, you know what? I think it was um, Ryan Bedard. If you know Ryan Bedard, he used no. to own Mr. Fox Composting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Big beard guy. Yep, right? yeah, 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 totally. And uh, Ryan, uh, I did uh, Mr. Fox Composting for the food truck. And so Ryan's like, hey, give me your resume. I know a guy to give it to. Yep. And he gave it to him. And... Um, and it just happened to fall all together. You know, uh, Jay had opened up uh, Vita Cantina in 2013. Okay. And they had a chef for a year, um, Jed Bodarski, really nice guy too. And he decided to leave. He he was done after one year. And so it just kind of like all fell together. Yeah. So, so I'm, sorry, I cut you short. Keep going. No. So I, you know, when I met with Jay, you know, I didn't realize what the restaurant was all together. Uh, the first time. And so when I met with him, he's like, you know, we're looking for a chef for Vita Cantina, modern Mexican cuisine. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, Sign me up. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, awesome. like it was. So it was what I'm destiny. curious, like, did he offer you and this is like where like I feel like when you're dealing with partnerships and relationships, it always gets weird because we never know what to do. We mm-hmm. never know how to handle it legally and pa- on paper and what's fair cut and like what's all that. How did you guys approach it? Did he offer you partnership right away? No, or not at all. What, what does that look like? What, how did you guys approach that? So I'm here for a year at least. Um, and the general manager at the time, Molly Woodhouse, uh, she's actually down in Austin, Texas now, um, is phenomenal. She's awesome. And she decides to leave. And she was the opening general manager along with Jed, the opening chef. And she decides to leave for the Row 34 group. Um, and so at that time... Um, I think she was a past guest on the show, actually, now that you mentioned it. Really? So names. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know if it was Molly or maybe it was Melissa. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, keep going. Oh, no, no, no worries. And uh, so she leaves for that. And at that time, Jay was like, you know, there's nobody else. You know, and if you know Jay, you know, basically his model is, you know, he opens up these restaurants and um, he wants to put people in the position to succeed. You yes. know? And so his model is like, put this person in and they will succeed not only for him, but for the restaurant group it's, or for the restaurant group and then for the restaurant itself. So he's like, you know, um, nobody else is here to, you know, really that was since the beginning. He's like, I would like you to run this thing like it's your own baby. He's like, if, and if you do, he's like, I will, will give you, uh, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I will give you partnership in yeah. this whole thing. And yeah. to me, I'm like, that's unheard of in this restaurant business. You know, first of all, you don't make enough money to, uh, really do that for yourself unless you have, you know, uh, maybe a, some, some money in the bank, maybe some family money and stuff like that. That's definitely something I do not yeah. have at all. And, uh, so you don't have those opportunities and, and really also in this business, you're not very trusting of most restaurant owners also, yep. you know, you're like, uh, are you just going to, you know, eat me up and spit me out like most of other people, yeah. you know? So, yeah. um, so I was definitely very weary and my wife, uh, once again, very smart. She's like, well, you're doing the same thing you're going to be doing. She's like, so just keep working and see what happens, you know? And sure enough, after I think it was about six months of doing this, he signed me on as a partner for wow. Vita Cantina. Um, and it was, I mean, it, I, that just started the journey right there. Yeah. You but know? I think just the, the, the significance of just communication, what about expectations? How do you say if you, if you do this right, then I'll make you a partner. Did you set goals for you? Like specific things it, that, that you can agree this is the job done right. So there isn't like, I mean, there's definitely basic goals, you know, f- uh, food costs, labor costs, you know, those things right there, but you know, build the business itself, you know, like, you know, I think, um, he's a, he's definitely a restaurateur. He's, he loves restaurants for sure, but he's a 
business, man. Yeah, at, at real quick, end. Jay McSherry is so on my radar. And Jay, <laughs> if you're ever listening to this or any, any other episode, you know you have an open invitation. He just walked right by. Really? So, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm like I'm gonna be a hound after this. I'm gonna try to find him. But, That's um, but awesome. Anyway, but like, what is it exactly? Because I mean, just a real quick to paint the picture. What, what's he behind? I mean, I can't even keep track because I know it's Moxie. He's got. Oh, Jason okay. Mingo. So let's Jumping go through this first. Yeah. Jumping Jays is first, Moxie, Franklin, Oyster House, uh, Dos Amigos, White Heron, Ornell's Barbecue, Vita Cantina, Vita Tortilla, Lynn's Little Kitchen, um, The Rail Penny Tavern. Um, gosh, uh, I know Jumpin his first Jays. was Jumping Jays. Yeah, right? Jumping Jays was his first for sure. Yeah. yeah and, so and there's, it, and then, you know, multiple of other things and, for sure. And like what you said, his model is he, he finds, I think he has, he's just developed an eye for real estate and an eye for talent. Right. And he knows where a restaurant will do well. And he knows, he knows the market. He knows who's who. And he's always got his feelers out there. And he recognizes talent. Yeah. And exactly. he just provides opportunity. And like, I think that, and he has, sorry, do you want to no. I, I don't want to put no. words into your mouth. No, it's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. he wants, he doesn't want to just succeed himself. He wants the people in his community to to succeed as well you know and you don't even have to work for him and he will help you succeed as well you know like he's kind of like you know a lot of people come to me like hey you know I was thinking about you should go talk to Jay you know Uh, maybe he's the godfather of of Portsmouth or something like that you know but he's a good person to talk to just in general he's kind-hearted he really cares about our community and he cares about the people in it and he wants to see everybody else succeed just yes. like he has su- yes. succeeded. And this is, this is what the show is all about is the, to make an example. I know this is your time. Yeah, show, no, no, but, no. But I mean, I, I, it's obvious that you share the same values and you're right, right there with them. Um, and it's, it's, it's about letting people know like it's not just about running a restaurant and cooking well. It's about what kind of person are you? Yeah, totally. Behind every great restaurant's a great person because right. you can't do it alone and you need to attract onto yourself amazing people. But nobody's going to go work for a douchebag or somebody doesn't care about them. <laughs> yeah, like, and you never know you're working for a douchebag yeah. until you're really until you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the hard part, you know, right. but Jay has set up a community, uh, uh, restaurant group for us that everybody uh, has a job, you know? So I have a marketing person, you know, I have an accounting person. And so it allows me to do my job and yep. then all the extras I need to do to be able to build our, my restaurants at the, at the same time. So it's, it's incredible, you yeah. know? Um, so that whole, um, environment helps us thrive. And you mentioned earlier that you didn't really learn about becoming a restaurant tour until you joined this restaurant group is when you totally. really started learning the big lessons. So what were those biggest lessons that you started to learn over the past? This is 2013 to 14 to today, six years over the six years. You know, one thing I give to Jay is he's a family guy. You know, he grew up in a big family like I did. You know, I have seven brothers and one sister. Um, I guess eight of you also, I should say eight because we have an adopted brother. So eight brothers and one sister. Um, and so he grew up in a big family as well. So he has his 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 mentality is family and food as well. So I was like, oh man, we have that same kind of background all together. And so that's the same thing he has with his restaurants and his restaurant group, I should say. You know, he wants to see everybody succeed. So he taught me that uh, right away, you know, obviously with giving me, you know, percentage in the business. Um, and then, you know, like, okay, so these are things that you can offer to your other employees, you know? And then also uh, the basics, you know, yeah once again, uh, food costs and labor costs, but how to build the business itself. You know, I remember at year three of being in here and he brought me into the office and he said, Hey, Vita's not making it. He's like, 
you have one year to turn this thing around or else we're going to have to close the doors, you know? And I was like, okay, what, you know, what is that? And that's where I really developed this uh, model of si se puede, you know? Uh, si se puede means yes, we can, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we said yes to everything at that point. You know, year three of Vita was our yes year. Well, I'm know? really surprised here because didn't you guys, in 2014, you were recognized as the best new restaurant or something like that, right? Or I think, You know, we definitely had some write-ups, but that yeah. doesn't really mean, that doesn't merely mean people are going to come to your restaurant. You know, mm. like you can get, uh, you know, accolades, but you could turn around and close the very next day. You yeah. know, I think a lot of people on the James Beard list that, that has happened to yeah, before. Absolutely. You know? And it's and that's one super thing that's, scary. That's one thing that I think really needs to fucking change in our industry. And I I know firsthand because I talk to all these people that from the outside looking in, it's like they have everything. They're on top of the world. Totally. The world by the balls. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you talk to them and they're just like, I have nothing left. <laughs> like I'm, I'm completely it's all, drained. It's all gone. And we, but we idolize these people. Yeah. And we say like that's the secret what they're doing is the right way yeah but they like they get that this acclaim and then they burn out two yeah, years later. we need more podcasts like this or your podcast to thank continue you, to dive you. deep into the like we what's going we, on we're doing it to ourselves though we have yeah. nobody to blame but ourselves which totally. is why we need to share this information and to, to let people know that it needs to be sustainable yeah it needs like your get your pride out of the way yeah you know like what I mean? what's what's yeah exactly get yeah. your pride out of the way and that's really what you know what my thing was you know like you know, for us at Vita, it was hard for us to introduce what type of Mexican food we are doing here in New England. You know, uh, God bless New England altogether, but, you know, they have a mentality of what Mexican food should be, you know. And these restaurants do belong in our community, your margaritas, your lacretas and stuff like that. You know, your yellow cheese, black olive style Mexican food, but we're doing Mexican food completely different. You know, we call it comida mexicana, fresh Mexican food, you know, and that's like the roots of what I grew up with. Mm. And for people to understand that, in year three, they didn't. They were just like, "What? What is this stuff?" Well, I mean, you know, you, like, they have a, t- a tough market. New Hampshire Mexican food. Like, yeah, I'm as uncultured as they come. Like, I'm your target market, right? And I, I haven't, I know nothing about Mexican. They want it quick. They that. want it cheap, and they want it fast. Yeah, you know, like just, or all together, yeah, all like, out the same exactly. time. You know, like it's, it's just, it's not what we offer. You yeah. know, we offer from scratch cooking. Uh, Mexican food, you know, yeah, it is a taco, but you know, a taco is a lot more, you know, people don't even think about the tortilla and the yeah. taco, you know, but we go down and we go into the roots behind it all, mm. you know, and so, so you, the, the story. So yeah, let's get into this. So you said three years in, yeah. uh, Jay sits you down, he has a conversation and says, Hey, we need to, it's not working. We need to, you need to turn it around. Right. And it, uh, here we are. Um, how many years later? Uh, yeah, we're seven uh, years a little, later. Yeah, a little over five. seven years now. Yeah, yeah. So you turned it around. We definitely turned around. Like I take said, it, take we, us through that. We said, si se puede. You know, we so. Can. Yes, I, we can. Yes, we can. You know, so it was like, you know, my mentality to my managing staff at, at this point is like, if somebody comes in, they want a plate of croutons, we sell them a plate of croutons. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not above anything. You know, somebody, a kid comes in, they say they want, you know, a burrito, we roll them a burrito. Mm. You know, like it doesn't matter what it is. We're going to sell food and we're going to make people happy. At the same time, we're going to introduce them to another level of Mexican cuisine. You know, a great story on this is, you know, at that time I, I switched. Uh, when Jed, the original chef, was here, he would do uh, casserole style enchiladas. You know, casserole style enchiladas are, you know, two sticks, I guess, of uh, uh, enchiladas smothered in cheese and baked off, you know, like you would normally have. Now, that's not a traditional style, uh, Mexican style enchilada at all. You know, you would actually dip it in your salsa, you'd fry the tortilla and then hand roll it. That's a traditional Mexican style enchilada. So I switched them and I put them on the menu thinking like, this is what I want the people to eat. 
No, it doesn't matter what I want the people to eat. This is what they wanted. They wanted their tradi- their normal casserole style enchiladas. And so after three months, I was like, pull them off the menu, put them back on, you know? And so I took away that pride of like, oh, I need to introduce this. And I said, you know what? We're going to develop the blackboard or the farm specials menu. That's where I'm going to be okay. able to do my thing, so you, you know? So you kept what the people wanted, but you also developed a side menu yep. of what you thought was the better representation of the cuisine. Exactly. Yep. You know, so, you know, let's, what I said, let's get, let's get people in the door and then we can show them what we want, yep. you know, but if, so what was that process to upsell them or were they, if they, if they ordered the enchilada casserole or not the, sorry, the, was that right? The tradition. Uh, well, the uh, enchilada, the casserole the enchiladas yeah, were, were on the menu. And then would the you tradition- upsell them to the traditional? No, they would be on like the specials menu. Okay. Like right now we have a spaghetti squash one, you know? And yeah. so like, you know, you would introduce like oh, this. Oh, great! You like enchiladas? You know, you don't try them now. Come back and try this traditional style one that we have on our farm special with Riverside Farm spaghetti squash. You know, things like that. You know, so it took year three to you know develop that that change, and by year four. You know, people started to trust us. Mm. And that's what I always say now. Now people trust us and they understand what we are doing. And they come in and, and their go-to is go to the farm specials, you know. They know the, the casserole enchiladas and the basics will always be there, our, our, our regular tacos. But check out our farm specials now because this is what they're developing in season right now. Yeah, so you got to acclimate your 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 guests yes, to exactly. traditional food. Yeah. You couldn't just switch it on them. You, you can't switch on slowly them. get them accustomed yeah, to Yeah, and it. you can't let your your to me, you know, introducing a new style cuisine, you know, which I am, you know, is like let go of the ego and just get what, you know, get what, people what, what they want. Yeah, yes, exactly. Get the butts in seats. Yeah. So not only can the restaurant survive, I can survive. And then, you know, I have what, 35 employees here that I have to worry about on a daily basis to make sure they make their money too. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's above what I really want. So what I'm curious about, I mean, you're, you're talking a lot about what you did with the food. Uh, obviously that plays a huge impact on what brings people in. Uh, but what, what else changed? Did you, did you change anything else about how you ran the business or how you operated? We the business? did. You know, one of the biggest things is catering now. Mm. Uh, in year three, we, we didn't do catering before. I knew, minimal about catering you know but i decided to say let's let's cater everything so we started this thing in southern california you call it the taco man you know and the taco man comes to your house and uh he sets up this little taco cart and he's like the party all together you know and he makes tacos for you and so we we bought one of these taco carts and uh, we started doing the taco man the taco chef is what we call it and somebody comes to your house and does and sets up a taco party for you you know so we started doing catering we started doing everything that we diverse your, yeah, your exactly. Yep. You know, and now catering is huge. You know, obviously in 2020, we lost a lot of catering, yep. but we're still doing a good amount. I think this year we were registered for 12 weddings okay. altogether, you know. And so, like, I just started saying yes to everything. You know, somebody, I think in year three, came to me and said, Have you done weddings before? I was like, Uh huh. Yeah, totally. So, what Never did you, what did you do before. within your business to allow you to step away to do all these other projects? Because if you're doing catering, if you're doing all these other things, Who's running the restaurant? So then that's when the mentality came in that, okay, now we got to switch from just having a sous chef to a chef de cuisine, you know? So like, and we need to hire more people and make sure. But if we hire more people, we need to make sure the business is there for these people. So I was just, uh, once again, I was saying yes to everything. Hey, can you, I do a taco party for 10 people. Yes. Can I have you over here doing this, this gig over here? Yes. You know, things like that. And 
I wasn't afraid of it. And so that's still my mentality now. You know, sometimes it gets a, out of hand, you know, and I'm like, sign myself up for three weddings in a weekend. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know when this is going to stop. So might as well keep it going. Yeah. And it, it ensures like, you know, now I'm pulling, you know, a bartender to do a wedding with me that I've taught how to do a taco cart, you know, before, you know, but, so that's the great thing. You know, I go back now to the style of uh, the way my parents ran a restaurant and I treat every single person like with importance, you know, every single person, you know, uh, Oh, you, you're new here. Let me know your name. You know, like you have value to yeah. me now because you're in this place. Uh, I'm loving what you're dropping on us. Uh, I have a few things I'm, I'm putting on the back burner cause cool. I really want to talk about them. But before we get into that, um, you mentioned, that when you came to this restaurant group, that's when you learned the most about business. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest, I mean, we talked a lot about how, um, what, what Jay McSherry does is he, he has all like the accounting, marketing, all these different apartments set up that serves all of his restaurants. Totally. So you can focus on what you do best. I think, which is a huge lesson, right? Obviously not all of us can do that. Um, but I think that we can actually like look at technology as departments uh, mm-hmm. and, and plug in technology, but that's a, I don't want to die. It's another conversation. Um, what are the biggest business lessons? Not necessarily culture. We've got a lot about culture and how to treat people, yep. but like, the nitty gritty things that you were never doing that you were never even on your radar before you came to this. So this group. one thing Jay always says to us is the restaurant business is like a, a baseball season. There's a hundred and what, 62 games, something like that. Yeah. So if you lose one, that's okay. It, de- it depends on how you bounce back from that game mm-hmm. to continue on, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And so he applies that in so many different ways, you know, like, Oh, okay. A guest had a horrible experience at your restaurant. You know, how are you going to bounce back from that? How are you going to interpret that and, and look into that to, to make that experience better, you know, was it a specific yep. dish? Was it a specific service? Was it what was it altogether? So that's to internally look at your restaurant is something that's super huge because sometimes you could, you caught know, get, the details get caught yeah. up. You could also get caught up and like not even think about it. You know, yeah. like you're like, oh, it's over, we lost. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. Like you know, somebody looks at Yelp all, yeah. you know, or says, you know, I'm never going to look at Yelp ever, you know, like, I don't care what these people say. Actually, it's super important. You know, I actually, you know, a lot of people tell me like, oh, you shouldn't look at those things. I look at them all the time. Why? Because it it is, it's feedback. And maybe, you know, somebody says, you know, the chicken, if enough people say the chicken taco is bland, then I'm going to eat the chicken taco and then be like, ah, actually, no, it's not, it's all right. You know, maybe they didn't experience it the way I'm experiencing, or maybe it is bland and maybe we need to switch it around. You know, all this feedback is really good. So it's okay to look at yourself and then redesign yourself as a chef or as a menu or as a service or as any aspect of of your restaurant yeah. and that's a huge one so the some of the, the things i pulled like i think there was like two nuggets in there one is i think what danny meyer danny meyer calls what you share with us writing the end of the story mm-hmm. just because there's an, an, a horrible event that happens or whatever you get the right the story doesn't the story ends when you choose right it ends right totally. so you can always turn things around like if, if it was a bad experience there's an, an unlimited amount of things you can do to turn that around and then lastly or the, the second big nugget is Pay attention to what people are saying. Listen to the data. Read that stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to act on every comment, right. but you need to at least let that low road like absorb the information, that data, so you can make those better decisions in the long Right. Run. You have to understand where they're coming from on this thing, you know? And I understand, you know, not like before, not a lot of people understand what exactly we are doing here. So maybe some people won't get that. But the people that actually have a, you know, a good... Uh, review behind it you know you you want to look into that for yeah, sure you know for sure um so 
what about um, see any any other nuggets? I don't want to cut you short before we, there's there's definitely some key things I want to talk mm-hmm. about. I'm, I'm hanging on to you. Okay. Any other business details around like how Jay runs his businesses with his partners? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think you know the base the base one is you know in the sense of like giving opportunity to other people you know, and so this is one that I it, you know Jay came to me as we were succeeding here and he said. Um, he said, if I close down Vita tomorrow, not that we're going to, he's like, don't get scared. Uh, if I was, he's like, what are you going to do? And I said, uh, what do you mean? He's like, well, I have What's this vision. He's like, yeah. I have this business, I have this business, and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So what is your next move for yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so much uh, income one restaurant can give you, you know? So if you have all these people, you're going to, you're the one taking all the income from it, you know, because you're the higher up. So... I, are you going to give other opportunity to other people? So yep. that opportunity yes. is me opening up other restaurants so I can continue to succeed myself and then also give opportunity to other people, you yes. know? So I'm pulling away income that's coming in on this restaurant and then I'm giving, you know, my chef de cuisine, my general managers, my bartenders, you know, more of an income as well at the same time. So now they're succeeding more in life, which is super important because now our community is succeeding. Yeah. So basically what he said to you is like, what is your dream? What is your, what, what does David want to do if right. David could do his own thing? Right. And he was just trying to figure out what your vision was so he could give you another opportunity right, exactly. to execute that, which, yeah. Which of it was that Ornell's? Yeah, Ornell's was our second for okay. sure. Okay, yeah. so um, what was it like going from one restaurant to two restaurants? Oh, this is incredible. So, Will Mishka, which is our chef owner, uh, chef pit master, should yeah. I say, over at Ornell's, uh, was my chef de cuisine for a year and a half here at Vita. Yes. He's a phenomenal chef. Dude. If anybody's ever met Will, he's full of life, he's a great smile, and he's just a a good uh, all-around Texan to be around, nice. you know. Where's and, he from in Texas? Uh, Sugarland. Okay, Sugarland, Texas. Yeah, nice. and uh, yeah, he's a diehard Texan for sure. <laughs> you know, Astros fan, uh, Rockets fan, uh, Dallas fan, all the way. And uh, so we decided, you know, like here's a next opportunity. There was a restaurant available on Badgers Island at the time, and uh, and we said, you know, hey, what if we did a barbecue restaurant together? You know, and. Was barbecue his passion? And barbecue is his passion. Dude, I, I think I think everybody in Texas, that's your passion, whether you like it or not. You know? I love what just happened there. Um, Jay came to you and said, what do you want to do? Yeah. And you flipped it and brought and you created the same opportunity for your people. Yeah. And, and it just shows that the culture is That's what it is. Deep, you know, man. yeah. It's a, we're, we're evolving it to other people, you know, all the way. You know, Will, if you think about it, Will started as a um, two-day-a-week breakfast or a lunch cook here, you know, and then developed, you know, to a couple days and then he was our butcher. And then, you know, all of a sudden our chef de cuisine and now he owns his own business after being with us for a very successful business, should I say at at the same time. Um, And so, you know, it was incredible to be able to now to step from, you know, him being our chef de cuisine now to being like, Hey, let's run this and be owners together in this business and open up this thing as well. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was super easy because why? Because Will, it was Will's baby. Um, you know, we just, you know, we helped each other along the way and, um, you, somebody about being so passionate about doing the food that they love, it makes it easy. Oh yeah. He's like, I got this. He's like, I'm going to run with this and just help me with the more of the management stuff along the way. So this, this was the first restaurant that you ever built 
as far as like concept. Like this is the first vision you ever had to execute. I mean, you had your food truck. Yeah, but- we had our food truck for sure, you know, but yeah, you know, and, and Vita has definitely evolved over the years, you know, of like what is our thoughts and what is our mindset, you know. It's always been a base about what the food is, but our mindset has always evolved, you know, into a, more of a community's yeah. place, you know, altogether. But Ornell's is like, you know, we developed it with, uh, you know, we had a uh, marketing team come in and, you know, uh, say like, uh, here's here's a couple different names, you know, behind it. Actually, in the end, we went with Ornell's, which is Will's grandmother's name. Uh, so it fit Personal. the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. It, you know, once again, home, you yeah. know. Um, and so it was super, you know, incredible to watch it. And if anybody's ever been into Ornell's and if you haven't, shame on you. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> um, it was, you know, we didn't have to do much to it. It was, it looked like a barbecue yeah. restaurant already, you know, so yeah. we didn't have to do much besides put up a sign and, you know, add some booths and things like that. Um, uh, and so it was incredible. As soon as he went in and we put the smoker in, he was at home. Nice. Yeah. Um, any other, I mean, you also, I mean, I, it's awesome. You have Lynn's little kitchen, right? Right. Um, that, so when did that open? Lynn, so Lynn's is awesome. It's another story. Lynn, after Will left, Lynn, uh, Linda was my chef de cuisine here at Vita, you know? And so I it's, it, you yeah. know, and so it's another success story as well. Linda and, uh, is Cambodian Laotian. Um, and, uh, so we just, you know, gave her the same opportunity. You know, the only problem is we, we signed the lease on that in January and then what, uh, February, March, the pandemic hit. And, oh my gosh. And so we were just like, ah, what are we yeah. doing? What are we doing? So we didn't actually open until July cause we had to in the yeah, end, you know, we, we got to talk about the pandemic, um, a little to find out what your, your plan is for the future, but I want to yeah. save that just before the speed round. Yeah. Um, one thing I am curious about because Jay turned to you and said, what's your vision for your restaurant? Like, what do you want to create? Then you turned to your team and you said, what's your vision? What do you want to create? Right. Are you, are you, in, are, every time you do this, you're giving the person that you're, you're creating an opportunity for equity in the business. Yep. I'm assuming. Oh, totally. Is Jay maintaining equity in those businesses too? And yep. how is that structured as far as, does he get like, for each one that opens, is it, like how does I mean, that work? Is it like a pyramid call, or something? Uh, like yeah, that? totally. You know, there's a base behind it. You know, there's you know Jay is definitely the, the you know the ruling uh, percentage on everything, and then everybody else gets their certain uh, cut uh, along with it, their certain percentage along with it, and so it's great because it gives the chef the opportunity to not only make a salary but also earn on top of doing what they would normally do anyways, you yeah. know? And then also, you know, there's something different when you call yourself the owner and, you know, we, you know, with Linda, with, with Will, we leave them alone. Yeah. You know, this is their business. You know, we meet every week and have a meeting and, you know, give ideas and thoughts of, you know, you know, I, I always text Will and, and Linda and give them maybe specials ideas and food ideas. Maybe they don't want to hear from me also, but you know, it's just something we will never stop, but it's their place. You know, they have the opportunity like I did with Vita to make it successful or not make it successful. Yeah. And a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking to them, it's like, well, I don't want to split up the profit so many times. Like every time you split it up, you get less and less and less. But you also have to think about what are you getting by going into a partnership with somebody like yourself and Jay, you're right. getting access to the team, to the right. family of restaurants, to 
all the other systems that they put in place, totally. the, the resources they put in place. So you can do what you do best. Right. Right. And, yeah. It makes it so much easier. You know, I give it up for, you know, I have a lot of friends that, you know, have to do the marketing, have to do the accounting and everything. And I'm like, wow, I'm so blessed that yeah. I don't have to go that deep into it. So I can concentrate on building the business and continuing, continuing yeah. to thrive. And it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with Cameron Mitchell from mm-hmm. Cameron Mitchell restaurants out of Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. He's a really well-known brand. Um, he, he explained it as like you, you have, you spend the, the beginning of your career kind of developing the chassis of what your businesses are going to be. And mm-hmm. once you have the chassis, you just put a new exterior on it. Yep. You, you know your systems, processes, procedures. You figured it out. You developed systems for your systems, right? Totally. And then you just find people and create opportunity and you put a new shade of lipstick on it, right? right. As far as like, what's your brand? Like, what do you want? But all the, the most basic systems are the same. And you're just kind of, you know, taking that foundation, that chassis and like duplicating it and like putting a new brand, a new team, a new skill into it. Yeah, exactly. We all have that base. We all have that foundation to work off of, you know, but what's working here necessarily isn't going to work there as far as promoting or what it is for food and everything like that. So it's like a year after year, maybe not even month after month, you have to re re look at it. You know, Mm -hmm. one thing I always say is if you don't continue to push your business, the next young hot thing is going to come around and take it off. So true, man. So So true. Um, one thing that I love about what you do, um, and something I picked up on just through looking and doing the, the, the research I did, I give myself an hour to read a couple of uh, <laughs> nice. articles. Nice. I don't want to do too much research. I don't like to know too much. Yep. Uh, but I did pick up on the fact that you're very involved with your community. Uh, um, yeah. Your work extends beyond your restaurant, mm-hmm. not just within the community. I mean, you work with the schools. You, you, yep. know, you work with other restaurateurs. You put together events with other restaurateurs. Yep. I mean, the power in that, the power totally. of getting involved. Get into that. So, you know, being in the community is something that's very, you know, it's easy to do, I almost say. And I think it takes a a whole community to make changes in your community. And then you hope that those changes will spread throughout, you know, a bigger, you know, outreach, you know, in the New England area for us, you know, and then throughout the country as well. And maybe throughout the world, you never know what happens, you know. Um, And one of the easiest ones for me was getting involved in the school district, you know. They asked me, I think it was like four years ago to come in and, and, uh, make chicken Parmesan for like an event at night for them. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. I love chicken Parmesan. And they brought out these Tyson chicken patties, these frozen, like little circle chicken patties. I was like, (sighs) oh my gosh. And then I was astounded to, you know, because I had no idea how the school food system worked completely. Um, I opened up the freezer and, you know, more frozen product than actually fresh product in there. And it's, and it's not their fault. You know, there's only so much money. Resources. yeah. Yeah. There's only so much money that a school system is given to feed a child every single day, you know, and that's, it's, it's government funded. So to me, I'm like, okay, you know what? I have access to all these farms. I know a lot of people. So like, let me use my, my resources to make these things happen. So, you know, I signed up with the school district. I'm actually an employee of the school district, if you say for the Kittery school district. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to dedicate myself to helping, um, introduce more fresh, you know, from scratch cuisine, um, to, to our school district, which my kids are involved in. So it's a no brainer for me as well. Um, and it directs my, it affects my community directly, you know, all together. So, you know, when did you start doing this? 
uh, four years ago. And mm, weird, interesting. Right around the time things started turning around. Yeah, exactly. Too, yeah, right? yeah. I found like maybe you know, and and I think this is, you know, as a as a restaurateur, as a chef, also uh, you know that wants to run a successful business. Things like this help you run a successful business. You know, you know, you a lot of people did still. You know, Vito had been around for a while then. At by the point, still didn't know about us at all. You know, maybe didn't know about Ornell's. You know, as I continued on and things like that. So I was able to introduce themselves to them to our uh, to my businesses as well but it didn't really matter to me about that part it mattered more about giving back to our yeah. community yeah. aspect and again it. like i think we, we started talking about earlier you don't do all these things to get a return no you, you do these things because it's your obligation you do these things because it's what we're meant we're tribal we're yeah. meant to, to to give back to the tribe yeah right? and i just had this conversation with my general manager yesterday actually like i want to use our platform here for the better of our community yeah. you know and it's is it through these dinners you know we just uh, we were talking earlier about the dinner that we did with uh tony and Ilma like the other day you know and it was basically each chef had their own nonprofit. you know jim uh the jimmy fund uh full plates full potential you know there's so many different ones you know and then we were able to give you know money to these you know we've done uh, the immigration dinner here where we bought uh, three nonprofits in that help uh, immigration rights, you know, and we and it was great, super informative. We actually did a medical marijuana dinner here as well, you know, to help give to uh, the funding of passing medical marijuana in New Hampshire as well. You know, just things that hit home to me that I feel, you know, like we can inform the community about as yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that you do, which I think is genius i don't know if it was meant to be genius or just a you know just the the chefs after dark which uh-huh. is something i've heard a lot about and totally i mean get into that what is that so this was a cool event myself and lee frank uh the chef owner of otis restaurant in exeter um him and i started it you know and really like we had heard that something like this was going on in the west coast we're like this is something cool like we should totally do something like this when did you guys have this conversation uh this is 20 20- 2013 okay something like that um and he was at annika jans at the time in kittery and he's like i got the perfect spot you know we do it out of my place and i was like great let's do it and so it's basically you know competition brings collaboration you know is what we said and uh and so we got we picked two chefs from the community uh picked three ingredients and we didn't know how it would work out. And, you know, we, I think our very first one was like Evan Hennessy and uh, Ben Hasty or something yeah. like that. And, uh, and I didn't even know them really at the time. You know, I worked with Evan for like the, that one catering gig and, uh, um, and we brought them in and showed them three ingredients. They had one hour to create two dishes and it packed the house that night. We yeah. were like, oh my gosh, like this is actually a thing. Like people want to, you know, and this, most. This is open to the public, right? This is open to the public and it started at 1130 and, or 11 o'clock at night and it went to one o'clock in the morning. That's you know? amazing. And man. when most restaurant people are actually up, yeah. you know. And what, so, what day? Is it a Monday? It was a Tuesday. Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah, super random, you know, but it packed the house, you know. And it Where was, did you guys host it? Does it uh, at Anakin, okay. Annika Jans, okay. always at Annika Jans. And now, like, we kind of move it around around here and there yeah. i think you know matt from moxie has taken it on like for a halloween event and stuff nice. like that and different forms of it as well but it's a super super fun event um all together and it's just fun to watch these chefs and like people are like you you forget you know even as myself i've i competed in it i was like well this is why i got into it you know i love cooking i love fast uh, you know knives 
flames, yeah. you know, all those things, you know, and so and it gets you thinking on your feet constantly. What know? was your vision for it when you when you first got like what was the intent? Was it just for fun or just like, for fun, you know, yeah. just to kind of get us together. selling tickets you know, to this thing? No, like we weren't selling tickets. Or? It was it was completely free, you know, and the chefs did it, you I know, and it, I think I like whoever won got like a wood spoon and whoever lost got like a fork or something <laughs> like that, you know. Um and it was just fun to watch these, you know, these chefs compete and also, you know, you you watch them get at it, you know. I, I think Justin Walker was in it one time and to watch him cook at that at that speed and create some of these things I was like wow, wow this, this is, is incredible yeah, yeah. It's to- it totally was and especially for young cooks you know they would be in the front row looking at them and they were just going so fast and putting out these things and these dishes were incredible you know the only thing I wish I could change out of it is to make it so everybody could taste the food but that yeah. was like the hard part yeah. behind it you know? I hear you but here's why what, you, you mentioned something that really struck a vein with me you said competition breeds collaboration yep. is that what it was yep and that's why I, I was like, this is genius because it, it, when you bring people together, like I think for some reason we look at other people mm-hmm. as it's, ego gets in the way and it, it becomes about the reputation or us versus them. But the totally. truth is that it's those people. I mean, I'm guaranteeing all those people who are doing this are probably at the top of their game within the, yep. the Seacoast area. Yep. And it's those who come together that go further. Yeah, right? no, definitely and, is. and you're networking, you're sharing knowledge, you're getting that camaraderie, you're probably finding people to employ, you're creating opportunities. Like, what has, st- like what has stemmed from this? Like, yeah, that's the thing right there. You know, especially, you know, we always, we always joked around there was only one time a year as chefs we could get together, and it was like this one event that we used to have, Taste of the Nation, in uh, Portsmouth, you know, like for all of us to group together. So it was events like that to be able to like sit down and be able to talk to each other. Not only that, meet these new line cooks, you know, or, yeah. you know, I met plenty of people that were like, Hey, I've always wanted to meet you. You know, like it's so in pleasure, you know, like in talk about food or not even talk about food, just talk about how your day was, you know, all together, you know? And so those, you know, those things, when you meet these people, like those, those meetings stick. And then you're like, Hey, I remember this person. Like, let me call them up. You know, maybe they have an idea for me, you know? I love that. And it was like those things. I remember the very first time I met Evan Mallet, and it still sticks in my head, you know. And I owe a lot to him. You, you know, he's he like, was restaurant unstoppable number one first guest. Oh, really? Ever. Yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could see why too. I gotta get him back on the show. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 an incredible human altogether. Yeah. You know, and I. I think so I intelligent. Him, yeah, so intelligent. You know, like sometimes I'm just like, all right, you know, <laughs> like I don't understand half the words you're telling me right now. But I look up to him not only as a chef, as a father, as a husband as well. You know, he's just a great all around person. Um, but when I met him, I was just like, gosh, you are what I want to be. You yeah. know? And he actually helped me start the tortilla business it, itself. And that's a great segue um, <laughs> into the next thing I want to talk about, diversifying yeah. your product line. Like you do doing one thing. Well, you do more than one thing, uh-huh. but being known for one thing, having a unique selling proposition, would you say your tortillas are your unique selling proposition? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, you know, what we're known for, you know, as a project, you know, like I said, Evan Mallet introduced me to Tuckaway Farm, the Cox family. Um, and it was a project that, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go. You know, I just knew we at Vita, we do 90% tacos here. So I said, if we're going to do 90% tacos, then it's going to be the best fucking taco anybody mm-hmm. has. And what's that start with? Not the stuff in 
inside it. It starts with the tortilla yeah. all the way, you know? And to, to do that, we're not going to do maseca, you know, all this process kind of like masa or anything like that. We're going to get down to the roots, you know, we're going to do the nixmalization, you know, things like that. So, okay, how are we going to do that? Do we bring corn in or do we find out if somebody's growing this corn here? So Evan Mallet introduced me to Tuckaway Farm. Of course, now they're growing this corn there. And we do. Re-milling it. So originally we milled here. Okay. So we did wow. it all by hand. Yeah. We did uh, 10,000 tortillas Jeez. by hand. Yeah. We had this awesome, uh, you know, we did it at first and you should have seen it the first day I introduced it to the, to the kitchen staff. I said, you're, you're crazy. Like, like, we quit. Chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first day we sold 700 tacos. And I said, great. We're doing it again. They're no. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is insane. But it started to become our thing, you know, yeah. and then we hired somebody and she did all our tortillas. When was this? What year is this? Um, what year is this? Is this 20, earlier on or 2016? Okay. 20, yeah, something like that. I'll say 2016, yeah, because it's been about a four year project now, Via yeah. Tortilla itself. Uh, 2016, and then we decided to hire this woman. Her name's Dina Wilford. She's my production manager of Vita Tortilla now. Um, she's awesome. She's actually from my hometown in Southern nice. California. I'm first person we met when we moved here, actually, too, which is kind of funny. That's all right. Yeah. Um, and. And so, you know, we were doing it all by hand here. And then eventually we were like, you know, we, I think we have something here and we can add on to this. So if you think about it, you know, back then we had one acre of corn. Then we went to three acres, wow. then seven, then 10. This year we grew 20 acres of corn. Yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. amazing. So it was not only Tuckaway Farm, then we signed on. Barker's Farm in Stratum, and now we signed on Doobie Doo Farm in Lee as well. And uh, now these farms, are, you know, we started Grain Alliance, so we can all communicate between yep. each other. And you know, and now we're looking at like you know next year already. Yeah. You know, like okay, we grew twenty acres. Can we step up to thirty? You know, does the business itself allow us to go up to thirty? And I think it does. You know, like this collaboration all together has been incredible. You know, yeah. like. Not only is it about eating a good fucking taco, but now we're, you know, we're shipping to California. Yeah. We're shipping to Washington. Yeah. I mean, we, but I mean, it, the, the, the thing that's going through my mind right now is the obstacle is the way. Like it's so much, we, we, we try to circumnavigate around hard things to do because mm-hmm. of the labor expense and the, the, the material expense and it just increases our expense. But I think that we need to really start communicating to people that it's not about the bottom line. It's right. not about like, you can choose to go to i don't know like name whatever taco place i don't want to say margaritas we'll say margaritas but like i'm guaranteeing they're not milling their own tortillas right it's a community circles all together it's a circle you know like we're we're not only supporting the local farms then you know and then these people you know the the families that also dine in our area but also you know shop in our area so it's like all together you're you're keeping it all all in new hampshire all in maine you You, know and we started this conversation talking about creating opportunities for your employees but now you're also creating opportunity for your farmers right everybody else like that's what it's all about yeah and and what are we doing we're enjoying tacos at the same time so it's not a bad Thing. You're also, I mean, you're, you're, you're collaborating with people like Ken Oranger and, and Jamie Bissonette and totally. Bissonette in uh, Boston. You, you, and like, that's another thing, too. Like, you don't have to create everything from scratch. You can find out who's doing it right in your immediate, yeah. like, 50 mile vicinity, vicinity and collaborate and totally. highlight other people uh, and just find people doing it right who choose to lean into the obstacle, right? Right. And you source know, from those people. And when we started this, we didn't know how good our tortillas were actually going to be. And still to this day, like, I don't know if they're that great. But I know they're awesome. You know, we use, uh, we do the nixmalization process. We use amazing corn, you know, all together. We care about what we're doing all, all the way. 
way. And then we, you know, I source it out to, you know, you know, somebody like Ken Oranger, you know, I, I talked to him one day on, on Instagram and he's like, bring me some please. And now they love using them and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, they actually, maybe they, they are okay. You know, and the, and you know, and the business itself is doing really well. You know, we added this online store, so we make frozen enchilada dinners now since the pandemic happened and stuff like that. And so it's kind of cool to watch it evolve all, you know, organically. I I can't believe I'm, I feel like I'm abusing your time right now. We're at an hour and a half. No, Um, no, we should have been wrapped up already. Okay. uh, I just love the conversation, man. I get, I get, I get lost. Um, Anything we should know about creating a, a, a direct consumer product or uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The type of business. To help me out. What is the technical for word? Retail? For? Retail. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, something like that. Um, what do we need to know about that? Did you get help from the group with, with that? I or? mean, I did get help from the group as far as our marketing, you know, making yeah. sure our pamphlets, our yeah. website looks okay, things like that. But other than that, you know, I mean, actually, Jay, Jay, you know, was like, hey, you know, after year one, he's like, you need to do tortilla chips. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do tortilla. And now we do tortilla chips. And it's like they're incredible it's one oh, of our man. I'm definitely here for dinner <laughs> so oh. it's it's pretty cool to watch it you know in the online store it's like something completely new and shipping is something completely new for me as well so you know just when I, did Vita Tortilla start um, two years ago we okay. just celebrated two years a week ago nice. yeah um, but like any like, advice around taking the thing that you think you do best that you're known for and then creating a whole brand around that. <laughs> I think that's what happened with uh, Hattie B's in uh, Nashville, uh, uh-huh. Nashville hot chicken. Yep. Um, they, they started with bishops, um, bishops meet in three. And then they said, Oh, well our, our, our hot chicken is doing really great. And they just created a whole brand around the thing that's selling the most. And I think right. that's kind of what you did too. Right. And it, I think it's hard too, you know, cause if you think about it, we originally, when we started the tortilla thing here, um, at Vita, we were hand pressing everything. Yeah. And so like now hand pressing, going to a, a machine is completely different. Yeah. It, it actually cooks a little different. It looks a little different, things like that, but it's still the same great flavor. So it was hard for people to, that knew our tortilla to, initially like be okay with it but now they're used to it for sure and also you know also when you go into retail it's like it leaves your hand and you're trusting it into another person's uh area you know so like is it at a grocery store is it at a farm store you know how are they handling you know we we have three big purveyors that pick up you know cases all the time so like how is it being handled there so you're you're entrusting other people to continue to hold your product you know so so that's a hard thing yeah man um so I want to respect your time. I'm going to move the conversation mm-hmm. to COVID-19. I don't want to talk ah. about how you reacted to it. Okay. I think the time to react is long gone. Yep. Um, but what I would like to know is how have you evolved because of it? And what are you going to do different going to the future to kind of ride out this? I think that this winter is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it so is. So what, what's your strategy? What's your plan to the best survive the, the weird unknown future. I think it's taking it day to day, you yeah. know? And so like what is working right now isn't necessarily going to work tomorrow as well, you know? So it's like anything, like when we went into year three, it's like becoming creative and saying yes to anything and any possibilities, you know, you know, like next week we're starting our pizza. Mm. Here at Vita, and everyone's like, "What Vita Pizza? Vita Pizza? And we're calling it Mas Pizza. Is it, is it on a giant tortilla? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a sourdough masa dough okay. that I made, um, nice. and we're going to do it outside. And you know, and it's like we have three little personal pizzas that we're doing: the Chihuahua Pizza, which is our cheese pizza, our house chorizo pizza. And is that because pizza? Because I think well, I think it not only delivers well, but it offers another. Uh, 
thing for people, you know. So say you're at home and your kid doesn't want, you know, tacos tonight. They want pizza. Then you can say like, oh, I know where we can get pizza, tacos and everything like that. But we just do it in our own way. You know, we make it with a masa with a masa dough and things and add our influence into it. So it's like not being afraid to do anything that you need to do to make sure your business survives. Mm. I love it. Um, what else have you, how else have you diversified? Have you, have you changed your, your operation at all? Are you doing, have you dive, like, I mean, there's for sure, you know, going back into winter, we're going to be doing delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, Our takeout game, which is something I was never good at. Gosh, takeout is, I give it up for high touch Mexican food, like plain Mexican food. You weren't designed for takeout. Yeah. And it doesn't deliver the best. So everybody that's gotten ours, I'm so sorry if it was (laughs) (laughs) definitely, I mean, it was a hard thing when, right when the pandemic started, you know, we had a lot of complaints about our food for sure. And I'm like, you know, I'll I'll refund, 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 you know, and it was a tough one for sure, but. Yeah. So, um, I think it's just developing that day after day and saying like, you know, the, okay, this works, this worked yesterday. It's not going to work anymore today. Okay. Um, what about technology? Have you adopted any new technology to, no, we, you know, we stick with the basics, you know, we we use square as our system, you know, and Instagram and Facebook are like the key for us, you know, like, Hey, this is what we're doing. But I think, you know, you know, family meals, stuff like that. I think that's what's working right now for us. So like developing new plans, you know, we're doing tamales, we're doing uh, family meals for people to pick up to, you know, feed family of four, family of two, whatever it is. And just like, you know, what makes it interesting for you to come out and order something from us tonight? Nice. Um, okay. I think the only other question I need to ask you before we go to the speed round, I promise to make it a true speed round. Okay. Um, the, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Uh-huh. How have you transformed over the past, <laughs> say, like 10 years? I think I have transformed because I, you know, well, I think I, I definitely have the mindset I'm going to continue to grow constantly, mm. you know, like I'm not going to stay my, where I am right now, but I definitely have been, uh, grown not only as a chef, you know, like what does my food look like, you know, because, you know, when I started with the Le Cordon Bleu years, I really wanted to do fancy plate ups. Now I'm back to the home style and kind of like comfort food, you know, what makes people happy kind of deal uh, while making me myself happy. But then also as a as a businessman, I really wanted to develop and make sure that people in my community um, are successful, you know, so yeah. these people that work work with me here at, at Vida are successful and they can continue to thrive, you know, so that was definitely a, a huge one for me. I love it, man. Um, and I, I know I just said we're going to go to the speed round, but I just remember no. Jared pointed out yeah. that you had the hand sanitizer that was branded at the front door. What was it? The soap, the soap, the soap, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. So I'll, I'll give a great plug, you know. So this is a, a Verde Frances. It's a uh, awesome soap company based out of Kittery. Okay. Uh, my little girl's best friend's mom. It's her company, um, Carrie. and uh, Just helping the community. Yeah, right? exactly, right? It, and so what it is, it's a runoff of all our corn that we, from last year's harvest. So it's these, like, cut up corn corn kernels and i was i was talking to her i was like would this be great exfoliating like material yeah. she's like it would be so she nice. created a soap and we call it the vita bar nice. um but her soap is phenomenal so if anybody's uh listening when everybody listens to this you know go on to her website it's it's incredible nice we'll get it we'll be sure to get a photo of that bar we'll, yeah we'll roll it on the video please, right now if you guys please. want to see that and now we will take our first break to thank our sponsors we'll be our second break we'll be right back to bust out a true speed round customers are starting to roll on <laughs> Phones are ringing. We'll be right back.
Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, it when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We are back, and the first question I have for you, and if you answer these for, with one word to a sentence, we'll wrap up quick, I promise. All right, uh, I'll what, try. <laughs> what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. Basically, <sighs> what is your strength? Uh, my strength is coming in prepared every single day to enjoy the day. You I know? love it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is not listening enough to my wife. <laughs> she has been <laughs> in your corner, man. She's, you got a good one, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, what's one question you ask or thing you look for uh, during the interview process when you're growing your team? What are you looking for? Um, I guess my number one thing is uh, what makes you happy. Like, what mm. are you into? What you know, you, what, it's oh. it's not about food itself. You know, like what do you do? You know, yeah. like what is your life like? Where do you want to go to? I love it. Well, what is your biggest challenge today? Um, besides COVID is just uh work ethic. Mm. You know, I feel like uh, the work ethic is uh, here and there, you know, like you never know who you're hiring or what, what it is until they get in. And then you realize, yeah, uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. So this is a core value, a way to be a way to act. Um, I always say mental mise en place. Mm. Yeah. That mental mise en place is super important, not just for me, but for everybody, you know, I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your business, but not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond. Uh, <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? I mean, to cook good. You got to look good. So you, yeah, yeah, I love that one. You know, uh, somebody told me that a long time ago. So you want to not only compare prepared, but you also want to come dressed like you're ready yep. to to come uh, and cook some good food or you know serve some good food or anything. I so love to it. Cook good, you gotta look good. I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Um, well, you know. 
Ooh. besides setting the table. <laughs> it's everybody's go-to. That's awesome. I, I mean, it, you know, California Dish inspired me at a, at a young age for sure. I yeah. love that one. Um, and maybe it's not just to be a – that one was more to be a chef, you know, yeah. something about it. You know, he taught you how to make pot brownies in that in that <laughs> book, you know. So that one, like, definitely blew my mind. Um, other than that, I think it's, you know uh, – you know, I guess I could say my my father wrote a book called Placa de Barrio, and oh, okay. it talks about his life. You know, it's like That's books awesome. like that that inspire people that you know, like overcoming uh, certain hurdles. I love it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Um, give their their uh, restaurant staff to uh, opportunity to succeed. Yes, man, I love it. Uh, name one service you've hired or outsourced. What do I mean by this? So I think. Uh, what you guys are doing with your restaurant group is a perfect example. You outsource different groups of people, right? Or you have, is there like a, is there something you guys are not doing in house that you've hired another person for? Oh, like Martha Sullivan. Okay. Are my PR PR. Yeah. Martha Sullivan. Uh, yeah. Mar- Martha Sullivan. Uh, she's my PR person yeah. for the restaurant group or for the restaurant. And she's incredible. She, yeah. she fights for me every single day, you know, to show, uh, the country, what, what we're doing I here, it, you know, and yeah. I think the PR was huge. Yes. Yeah. And the purpose of this question is to help good people connect with good people. So oh yeah. She's amazing. Around. She's yeah. a great person. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted that's had a huge impact on communication, operations, efficiency, anything along those lines, profitability? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say we recently adapted it, but Instagram and social media is huge. Yep. You know, the power of social media altogether, you know, to show what you're doing in the restaurant and also in your community yep. is big time. I love it. Uh, and one thing I'm curious, and I know this, I was going to make this a true speed round, but how do you find that line bef- between, um, I feel like a lot of people, it's, it's, it, it rubs me the wrong way when I see this, where they're doing stuff. And are you, are you doing it because you want to see, you want people to see that you're doing it or are you doing it because you want to do it? And I feel like a lot of people are doing things now for the sake of being seen doing it and not for the actual cause or the impact that doing it will have. You know, it all depends on what it is too. You know, like, I mean, I definitely post constantly when I'm at the school district, you know, but I want people to understand that we're in the community and we're giving them an opportunity because those things help us feed more into it. You know, like I don't want, you know, me to call up to a certain farm and they're like, Oh, I don't even know who you are, you know? And like, I want you to see and understand, you know, like me, like going back to the school district, me, publicizing what we're doing at it gave us the opportunity to get the food network to come to the school district. And we did the great food truck race there with Tyler Florence last year. And now, you know, the uh, Kittery school district was awarded the most, the honor of uh, best director, uh, school nutrition director in the state of Maine last year as well, because of these influences and these things. So those things actually do help, you know, like the power of it all together, you know, I love it. Um, this is the last question, man. You've been a true, where are we on time now? Almost uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Awesome. Whoops. Uh, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave Uh-oh. behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Justify your existence. One. Si se puede. Is that the same thing? No. Okay. No. no. <laughs> si well, we, yes, we can. Yes, yes we, we can. can. Si se puede. I, I clearly don't speak And the so last much. one is for sure, spend more time with your family. Spend more time. I love it, man. No. Great. This has been an incredible conversation. I wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. Who's one person you respect and admire? 
uh, and believe it would make a great guest mentor. Somebody that if you knew they were being on the show, you'd listen to that episode immediately. Who's awesome. that person? Jay McCherry. That's, Jay. That's easy. Oh, man. Look, I, I pre- probably saw me. He's, he's still behind you. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, not this guy. He's going to ask me to be on the show. Um, how can we connect with you? If we want to come join your team or join the, the greater restaurant group, how can we connect? Uh, you can email the restaurant Vita Cantina, um, info at vitacantinanh.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much. Cheers. I appreciate your time. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And what did I tell you? I told you this was a great episode. I really enjoyed my time with David Vargas uh, and just sharing the story. I think the big takeaways for me in today's chat, um, well, I think something that comes up a lot on the show, which I, I don't know why I always feel the need to emphasize this, but the reality is are running a food truck. I think that, you know, people think it's going to be way easier. And the truth is it's going to be just as hard. Yes. The, the barrier of entry is lower. Um, but I think there's some serious things that, that not everybody considers when, when entering into this venture of a food truck. And I love when I, when people dive into the realities of operating a truck. Uh, so hopefully you guys picked up on some of those lessons. Uh, I also love this idea of, of working as a mercenary chef. You know, if you're new to an area and you have skills to use those skills, use your value to network. You know, use your assets to network, be of value to somebody. And, and I think it's, um, it was some genius. Maybe it was Einstein that said, don't become a person of, uh, success, become a person of value and know your value and use that value to network. And I think that that is a great lesson that anybody who's beginning their career in hospitality or or trying to scale their career in hospitality should take note of that lesson. And I also really love this idea of, I think it's not just, it's not necessarily an idea, but I think something that David does really well is networking. Um, as a mercenary chef, right? But also with his community involvement. And I think that's just an incredible thing that we can draw from today's conversation is getting involved with your community, how David does that with his schools, uh, educating people, bringing his values, injecting his values into his community, trying to make his community better um, and, you know, serving people in the process. Um, and also what he's doing with these, the the chef after dark uh, cookoffs that he does. Not only is he networking within his community, um, you know, the children, the schools, the parents of the, of the children and the farms that he's working with, but he's also networking with the industry, people within his industry, bringing his industry together. And when you're the person that brings people together, when you're the person that is, is just literally like bring, like there's so much power in bringing people together. You cannot over estimate the value in that or underestimate the value in that. Um, and I think David does it really well. Uh, I also love this mentality. If, if you do something really well, if you're doing something better than anybody else, then lean into it. And I think that you saw that come out in today's story with his tortillas and not looking at, at other companies, other businesses as competition, but saying, Hey, like, I do this really well and I can help you and your business by you know, giving you the best tortillas on the seacoast or, or or in this region. And, you know, there's always opportunities to create win-win situations and to collaborate. And I think that when you do network with people and you do show people who you are and what your values are, and then you do say, Hey, I also have this other product. Maybe you're interested in buying it. You know, like it's just that, that the mentality of not me versus you, but we, collectively. And I think that that just came out that just shown through in today's conversation. And I just want to put emphasis on that in today's closing thoughts. Um, 
The other thing that I really need to mention before saying goodbye and, and wrapping things up is what they do in the greater restaurant group, uh, the, this family of restaurants that that David's a part of is they create opportunity for others. It's all about creating opportunity for others and giving other people, the people that they employ room for growth, room to evolve as human beings. And I think that 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 cannot be overvalued Uh, and it's so important and and it's, and it's so great that this is coming to the surface right now. Naturally, organically, this, this this topic is rising to the surface because we have Nick Cirillo uh, of Nick's pizza uh, and the author of a slice of the pie coming to join us past guests on the show. I really admire this dude for his trust and track uh, management skill, but we're going to be bringing him into the show or into the network rather for a live recording, a live workshop on how to create tangible paths of growth for your people. Like what that looks like, how you build that framing, tangible framing to, to put your people on and to, to give them these paths of growth. And I think that once you figure that out and once you can create natural organic routes for growth within your organization, it's a game changer. And um, we're going to learn all about that. So if you're not in the network yet, here's what you got to do. And I'm only offering this deal until the end of October, 12 months free. Absolutely. 12 months, absolutely free. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or on your iPhone, the the podcast playing app, um, I know you can scroll down right from this episode and you'll see the show notes right below. I'll put a link right there for you to to get over to the network, to sign up for 12 months free um, and be a part of that conversation on November 4th when Nick Cirillo joins us. Also, I'm going to do really all I can to get David to do a live Q&A. Uh, so if you guys really enjoyed this episode and you want to talk to David and meet him over Zoom, uh, again, click that link. Uh, stay tuned to when we're going to line up that, that shop talk with David. Uh, hopefully we can get that happening, but I'm going to try really hard to get him in that network to do a live Q&A with you guys. And um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Um, actually, I think that we do have some other events I want to let you know about before I say goodbye. Uh, on Wednesday of this week, we have the CEO of seven shifts coming to talk to us. And I want you guys to know um, that I, I'm really strict about getting sponsors on the show. Like I'm really trying to be intentional with who I partner with and I'm trying to grow these relationships with the sponsors. My guests are organically recommending on the show. Um, that's why we have seven shifts here. That's why we have played IQ here as sponsors because these folks are, constantly being recommended and I want to learn more. I want to follow the trail. I want to pick up the crumbs that people are leaving behind in these interviews and pull back the layers. So Jordan from um, Seven Shifts, CEO of Seven Shifts is going to be joining us for uh, an interview to learn more about the history of Seven Shifts, uh, where the labor management industry is going, what he's learned. They get a lot of data. They get access with tons of data through their software. He's going to tell us what he's learned with that data. And also we're going to take a look into the future of the industry based off that data. And um, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And you guys can ask all of your questions. This is going to be a live recording. Uh, you'll be able to ask your questions to Jordan about seven shifts. And I'm looking forward to that. So that's this Wednesday, the 28th at pretty sure that will be at noon on Wednesday, October 28th. Come join us in the network. Be a part of that conversation. And then that same day on Wednesday at 3 p.m., we have a busy day Wednesday this week. We have Nick Bishop Jr., the 
co-founder and partner of Hattie B's Fried Chicken. His episode went live last week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, he's joining us live in the network so you guys can connect with him to ask your questions about their organization. And um, to literally, like, we're living out the vision, the dream of Restaurant Unstoppable to connect this generation's leaders with the next generation of leaders. And I want you guys to be a part of it. So again, scroll down, find the link to join the network 12 months free on me because I just want to grow this thing. I, I, I believe in it and I can't wait to have you guys be a part of it. So, all right. See you in the network until next time. Peace out.